Welcome to the Ether. Today is Saturday, September 10th, 2022. Today on the Ether, part two of the three part Cephi Space, Lunk, Luna, and other banter. Let's take a listen. Hmm. Anybody in the audience, uh, Ancient, coming up to chat, hang out. We're just having fun here. Uh, Coach, what kind of nonsense uh, are you planning for today? Uh, Sefi, you said you were having fun. Is this your idea of fun? No, I was going to say, like, we're, we're just kind of, uh, just like, uh, no. So, uh, maybe you can, uh, entertain us here. What, let's, what's the, what's the strategy for the next, uh, expedition as far as like bringing some Twitter, uh, autists in here and like messing with them? Well, I'm eating a corn on the cob and my hands are covered in corn. It's really greasy. I've covered it in butter. And um, all the little bits of corn are stuck in my teeth now. It's really annoying. Can you hear this? You yeah, sound we, like Wabby. He's like, yeah, you sound worse than Wabby. I've taken inspiration from Wabby. Wabby is, um, it started off that he was, he was my mentee, but now he's my mentor. You know, as long as you floss after, everything's good. This is like the uh, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, relationship going with you guys mm, yes yeah okay um while you're eating that corn just repeat after me <clears throat> ogre yeah ogre chain just say it like that so they sort of like are really struggling to talk like it's painful to talk like ogre chain oh, is that whole, is that actually a thing or does he just keep saying that no he just no it's, it's not a thing <laughs> no he just made it up um it's he said it thousands of, of times man like every everything he says <laughs> he said thousands of times and the other thing as well is it doesn't come from him like one day one day i said some random comment though i was like uh, Wabi, you need to back up like a Russian tank from Ukraine. You need to back up or something. And he's just said it thousands of times since then. Like every single fucking space he's been in. So everything he everything he ever has as part of his um like social repertoire has been taken from somebody else. And then he's just like he gets a little giggle at some point in time, and then he just repeats it forever. So it's like a perseveration kind of a thing. Just you just get stuck on that, and you just keep saying it over and over again. Yeah, yeah, he. he has, of, of the good things people say, but then he just repeats them forever. <coughs> Wabi's an interesting individual. His group of friends, they hate me now. I hopped on, like, I, I texted this to you, uh, Coach. I don't know if you saw it. I uh, I hopped on one of their Twitter spaces, uh, like, uh, two days ago, I think. And they were instantly hostile towards me. They're like, oh, look, Bag Bear joined the space. And, like, I hopped on the stage and started talking, and they were just instantly, like, very aggressive towards me for, like, no reason. I'm like, hey, man, I just hop on Coach Bruce's spaces to have fun. Like, 
I'm just coming in this space to say what's up to you guys because I like you. And like they were like Adonis and Wabi and a few others were just like very rude towards me. And I'm like, this is this is quite dumb. Like I don't normally ever get mad at anyone because I think it's just very childish. And uh, it was just it was ridiculous, in my opinion. They're, they're, they're very interesting people. They all think alike, too. They're, they're very strange. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I think the the people Wabi surrounds himself with <coughs> aren't his real friends, because I think a real friend would would look at what's best for Wabi, and that means diversifying his life into more things than just sitting on spaces. You know, only a loser would stay on for over two hours, so he needs to diversify his life into more things than just spaces and like strong man and stuff like that. He needs to be getting real experience. The thing about Wabi is that if you listen to him, he doesn't actually say any real life uh, stories like his events and anecdotes and stuff. It's all like crypto stuff and it's all strongman stuff, but there's no like there's no sense of like he's talking about old relationships or events that happened or he had a fight in the street or something like that. It's always just kind of intellectual or memorized. I think that's the that's the thing that's concerning about him. And it's a bit sad that his friends encourage this because I think a real friend would be like Wabby, you know, you're you're what? You're almost thirty years old and you're obviously successful at this strongman stuff and we appreciate that. But at the same time, you know, you have this imbalance. You need to fly to Australia and Facebook, Kate. Um, can I ask a question? And I want to ask it now because I never want to ask this when Wabi is in the space because I don't want him to give me an answer. Um, mm. But so <laughs> this is going to probably sound stupid, but I just I don't know. What's the difference between like the like, OK, so bodybuilding, powerlifting and like the strongman shit or whatever. Like what? How, how are those things different? Yeah, bodybuilding is 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 for looks and aesthetics to look as good as possible. Basically, to put the most muscle on you can with the lowest body fat. So on the stage of Mr. Olympia and the big bodybuilding competitions, they they can weigh like up to you know high two hundred pounds, almost three hundred pounds at a very low body fat, like four percent. And that's it's it's quite a funny thing because like they look as most impressive as they'll ever be, but at the same time they're closest to death as they'll ever be. Right? They can't be that dehydrated. <laughs> That's so funny. Definitely will tell you during like, and and guys have on these bodybuilding competitions have fainted and even died a few times because they pursued such a low body fat um, and such dehydration because dehydration makes your muscles look kind of dry and clean and, and more aesthetic. They pursued this stuff so much that they fainted and died and had strokes and all kinds of things on, on the stages. So when you see those top bodybuilders on the stage, they can only last in that state for a few hours, more than that, and they're just dead. This is quite fascinating. Uh, yeah, the whole the whole cutting and dehydration concept I find is like, yeah, uh, really really fascinating. It's so terrible for you, UFC fighters. I don't know. It's kind of dumb to me that UFC fighters do this because they're literally in like their worst physical shape right before they fight. Like they go through an intense training camp, train yeah. very hard, and then they're like, okay, cool. Let me just throw all that work out the window and just dehydrate my body to no end and it's worth it, it i mean it's it if it wasn't worth it they wouldn't do it like the weight is the the extra weight is worth more than what you but it's like a stupid policy like if they wanted to fix these policies they would say weigh in like an hour before the fight or half an hour before the fight or something right the issue is i think they have to arrange like replacements and all kinds of things like um if somebody is overweight at least the the early weigh-in gives them like a day or two to replace the fighter whereas if it was on the day and somebody is like mass overweight that would be kind of ridiculous 
Well, that's so, what happened at the UFC. That's happening uh, tonight. Well, I, don't know if saw I, that. Think, I think that was contrived. I think that that I, I didn't follow the whole story, but I think Tony Ferguson probably stepped up, and then it was just a better matchup for Nate because it's like both of their retirement fights, and they're both OGs, and Kamzat is going to kill him and stuff like that. So I think that yeah, was little, I, yeah. I think Kamzat old to 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 weigh in and, heavy. And then and then Addy, the powerlifter is basically um, we're we're just talking about kind of like very formal. Uh, weightlifting with like proper technique and everything and uh you know you're you're basically trying to like consistently get to sort of like this um level with, with like formal i guess what you'd say like almost like the olympic um no. like you you could you, there's two different types i guess there's the olympic and then there's like the the local uh, sort I'm, of powerlifting right i'm disgusted with your amount of knowledge you say you're right mm. and you're clearly not certain on this are you yeah no, no no not as much as you are that's for damn sure well, I did, I did like elite kind of powerlifting for a while, Natty. Um, but yeah, powerlifting is you maximize the three major lifts, the three major barbell lifts, squat, bench, and deadlift, and you just get them as high as possible. And powerlifting competitions usually total all those three. So you go, you turn up in your little um, leotard or whatever the fuck else, some gay like suit you wear, powerlifting competition, and you compete with other men to lift. It is, the, it is a pretty gay looking suit. Yeah, yeah, it's all gay. It's like it's in this gay too because no woman ever cares about this stuff. Every man is just like admiring and looking at the ass of other men's squats. Like, they don't he enough. Yeah, did he go deep enough? You know, uh, maybe that squat wasn't deep enough. We need to look closely and put our face down near the ass. But anyway, Addy, it's it's squat, bench, and deadlift, and powerlifting competitions revolve around you lifting the most you can on all of these, and then you take the total, and that's your powerlifting total. And often there's like a, a Wilkes coefficient, which is your your ratio compared to your body weight. So that's powerlifting, and it's full of um, steroids. All of these disciplines are full of steroids and performance-enhancing drugs and stuff. You can't really catch them that easily. Um, and strongman is is more of a kind of a medley thing, where it's not just static strength. Powerlifting would be static strength, the, the linear barbell lifts. So, you know, benching, you've, you've seen a bench press before. It's a linear upwards yeah. motion with a barbell, very simple. Whereas strongman is, is, a, is a range of different events that not only test static strength, but also your your agility, your ability to move. So it's like carrying heavy um, farmer's handles for a long distance or, um, you know, throwing something above your head or carrying a yoke or something like that. It's much more to do with, with agility or, or it's very um, misshapen objects. So carrying barrels. So typical events are like carries where the person starts and they run to this like bucket full of items and they pick out one item, which is like an anvil and they carry it back and then they go again and they pick up another item, which is like a big tire and they carry it back and they go again and they pick up another item, which is like a big sack of sand or something. So it's, it's more to test like your, your capacity to handle um, unique events and is to both find. Like, is this what Wabi does? The, this shit with the. He claims he does. He claims he does. Wabi's a strong man. We've never seen a competition, but he's clearly into something, and he's clearly on steroids. Yeah, because so he looks like really like he posted a picture once. He looks like really, really like big. Like, how do you like run when you're? He's like, on... Does he look like a brick shit house? Like, how big? How do you like do that stuff? If he's if he's an honest person, and I asked him like what his lifts are and stuff, and he says he has a bench press of like five hundred pounds. If he's honest, then he's on steroids for sure, because you just can't what get up. The fuck. You can't yeah. get up, can't get up that high without um, steroids. The natural limit is somewhere near about 180 uh, kilograms, like f 400 pounds ish. You can't get up that high without steroids. Jesus, hey, coach, that's insane. So hey, he's coach, in this is, 
This is Robin. I was listening. Do you think King Wabi should do TRE? I think it would be very helpful for him. I think that a lot of his his predicament on a kind of a somatic level is is down to probably some early life traumas. Maybe he was bullied a bit or something. He has some kind of disconnect from his emotions and his genitals. He's quite far up in the head. Um, it's like his 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 center of focus of his being is somewhere up in the head, like in his memory and his and his intellect self. And I think he needs to descend downwards into the the genitals. And this is where he can he can launch from. He can go to Australia. He can face fuck Kate, this girl who you're trying to test her up with, um, the girl who really likes him, Robin. I don't know if you've you've caught up with any of this, but there's a girl called Kate who often comes into his space in the past and likes his his comments and stuff and, and loves listening to him singing anime. So she's game to be completely face fucked by him, but he's kind of holding off. He's stifled. He's afraid. So we've been encouraging him over the last few weeks to man up and fly to Australia and face fuck this girl Kate. But in order to lock that that willingness yes tre would be fantastic because it releases all of the muscular arm ring it releases all of those emotional holding patterns that hold him back that make him more stifled and inhibited it would be perfect really it would but i don't think he'd do it he'd consider it like some weird devil thing i was i was uh i was listening to you guys you guys were up so late last night so was i it was like one o'clock two o'clock my time and you guys started talking about tre and i was always kind of behind like not doing those types of things for a long time. Uh, I heard about meditation in like 2016. And I was just kind of like Gary V style. Like I'm so happy. Like I do not need to meditate. Like everything's great. Like I'm, I'm like, I would need to meditate. So I'm, I'm kind of on the fence with like this meditation TRE type of stuff. I think it's beneficial. I'm not against it, but listening to, uh, listening to you coach, and by the way, I have to make a public apology. I, I was uh, last time I talked to you, I was I was kind of telling you a little bit about community and how to build it, and um, then I, I just kept on listening to you and Safi, and I feel like I, I kind of embarrassed myself because you guys are completely understanding about community. But I think I did provide a little bit of context, but um, wanted to make that public apology to to the crowd. <laughs> But um, back going back to meditation, um, do you think there's ever an opportunity for people that don't, don't need it? Like, if I felt like if Sefi did meditation, he wouldn't be Sefi. Like, we, he would not be the person that I know, right? Do you think there's an opportunity? Do you think everyone needs meditation? Or is there maybe sometimes people are just so happy or, like, good where they're at? Like, they, they don't want to mess things up? Maybe, but you have to be careful here because umbrella, um, meditation is like an umbrella term for about a thousand things you can do with your eyes closed, sitting down or walking or anything else. So like, what do you mean? And also, what is the, the goal of the meditation? If it's to be happier and you feel completely happy, then yeah, don't bother. But if it's something else, a lot of people use it for peak performance. They use it for all kinds of reasons. Um, or maybe they're, they're training for some athletic event and they want to be in the zone when they do it. They want to achieve a sense of flow throughout their whole lives. Um, and they realize that the, the, the main enjoyment of this life is, is the quality of presence you can bring to every single moment. And in my opinion, there's no, there's no real limit to that. I think it can keep going up. People often surprise themselves in meditation. They think they're happy. They think they're calm. But when they actually start the process, they realize there are whole new levels of well-being and calmness and peace they can reach and whole new relationships with their mind. Um, so so I, I think with these things, you just have to try them. 
But yeah. in order to try them, you need sufficient curiosity. And, and that is something that can't really be forced upon you. You know, for me, I was just immensely curious. I came out of um, a lot of anxiety and depression and insomnia and stuff like that and trying to fix it for years and years. So when I found meditation and it had a profound effect, I signed up to a two-week meditation retreat. It had a profound effect on me. And that was, even though I was quite happy after that and everything seemed magically calm and peaceful and I was like on top of the world. After finding that, I wondered how far I could go. And the rabbit hole went a lot deeper than I, than I realized. Um, so you can be surprised. I think you need to be open to being surprised by these things. There's really no limit to how high your well-being can go. Yeah, absolutely. In, in 2020, like right when the pandemic was starting, uh, I went through a very intense, traumatic, like anxiety, like my body was shaking and I couldn't think like anything. I couldn't think of the future. I was just very, very tense. So next door, there's this uh, mind body breathing center where they have a configuration and maybe Sefi might know a little bit about this because he owns that stuff with uh, gyms. So what it is, is not really. Three... <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, there's three components there. When you walk in, the first thing that you see is a salt bath and it is ozoned infused. So it's supposed to do really good things with your body and vascular and skin. And then on the right, there's a cold bath, which is around like 35, uh, sorry, 37, anywhere from 37 or 42 degrees. And you keep on walking and then there's an infrared sauna to your left and right. Um, infrared sauna gets anywhere from 135 degrees to 160 degrees. Um, and then when you keep on walking, there are these pneumatic um, sleeves that you can put on your arm and your your legs and then it pressurizes and squeezes your lymphatic nodes. So it's supposed to like break up the, the toxic or it's supposed to break up lymphatic things, right? Something like that. And uh, so I, I've been doing that for about two and a half years and I've incorporated, I didn't go in there wanting to meditate. I went in there just because I wanted to like sweat. I wanted to get like, I just wanted to feel heat. And and I'm in Arizona, which is kind of strange or why you would want to feel more heat, some people would say, but I just needed to hear that and or feel that. And um, so I started going there and I would be in the sauna for about 25 minutes about 155, anywhere 135 degrees for about 20, 25 minutes. And it was amazing. And the person working there, and this is the only place, there's no other place in like this in Arizona right now. I know there's other places that, that might have this like in Europe, but uh, there's no place like it here. And, and the guy's like, you should try this cold bath. I was like, cold bath. Oh my gosh. This is like, I looked at it. And it, it looked really clean. It looked really clean and clear. And I was like, you know, I'll try it. And so I went in there. Have you ever done a cold bath? It's like a shock to your system. And, and since I was full of anxiety and just couldn't really think of the future, I just went in there and it was like certain parts of my brain started thinking different ways. I was thinking about the cold. And then I was also like wondering like about like the, the sensations that I was feeling. And I like my eyes became very like focused and, and my 
brain, but just became a little bit, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but it's like very meditative, right? You kind of get you out of your own self. And so when I heard about the TRE, I haven't done that, but I am curious. I am like part of that, that group where I'm willing to try certain things to get you out of your own brain. So if you guys, what's that? The cool, the cool thing about TRE is it's not an it's not an enforced or learned practice. It's not like meditation. It's not like cognitive behavioral therapy. It's not like drugs or anything like that. It's something your your body knows how to do. It's been packaged up as a process that is you know. I, I found it independently. I just lay down and meditate. I, I I was on like a long retreats and doing meditation and stuff. And for a long time, I'd been sitting up cross-legged or in the seat, and I just got bored of doing that. So I started meditating while lying down, and it just happened spontaneously for me. And then after that, I kind of reverse engineered it and found out that there are these other um, more formal ways of doing it. And there's this this interesting um, body of research on, on bioenergetics and tremoring and stuff like that to release somatic trauma. So I kind of reversed it. I found it independently myself, um, just stumbled across it. And then I, I looked backwards afterwards to find out if other people had actually researched it and stuff. But the, the important thing is that it's not a practice. It's not an enforced um, system of training or something like that. It's something your nervous system innately knows how to do. And the only thing we're doing with these exercises is, is remembering how to do it. You're, 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 you're kind of re-remembering. You're, you're teaching your nervous system to do this thing again. It's, it's like breathing. It's so simple. It's easy. It's not anything um, learned. It's what your body itself knows how to do to release stress. You know, Coach, yeah. on that, on the subject of the, like, the ice baths and all those kinds of things, what's interesting about, like, the kind of, like, um, I guess, alternative exercise industry, I don't know what you want to call it, like, it's kind of this, yeah, like, some of the things you described, like, the hot and cold type of things, and there's, there's other things like that, but what's interesting about all of them is they, in the marketing, you know, speak, they tend to put a bunch of nonsense in there, like, they make biological claims and like claims about toxins and other nonsense that, you know, like they have no proof of anything, just sort of like saying things. Right. Um, so you pretty much have to ignore all of that. Um, I think they, they include some of that just as marketing speak, just to sort of like, in a way it sort of primes your mind. Cause if you think, Oh, like I'm going to get this benefit, I'm going to take toxins out. Like next thing you know, you're going to get to you know, Oh, I feel so much less toxic now or something like that. Like it's like you it's like a power of suggestion type of thing. So some of the industry does a there's a lot of that in that in that type of industry. So that's pretty common. But at the same time, it's just like they're trying to attract the most numbers of types of people. Some people that you know want to believe all sorts of different things. They're trying to capture a group of people that are like in, imagine like the the folks like yourself that decided to go to a, a facility like that. You kind of, like you said, you're, you kind of arrive, you're in a group that you're looking for something, you're already sort of like um, primed in a sense for the possibilities that this thing could be useful, right? So uh, they, that's where a lot of that like marketing speak comes from. They're trying to like capture the believer. It's very similar to like what happens in like the supplements industry and stuff like that, where people are um, making all sorts of interesting claims like, oh, you're going to feel heavenly or you're going to feel this or that, or you're going to, you're going to enhance your memory or something like that. Nothing that's verifiable, right? Just stuff that people, they just write this stuff. They just, cause there's people that want to believe something. Um, it's kind of like in like, if you look at like uh, old Testament religion, it's like, you know, this idea that like you shouldn't have false idols was kind of the, the vibe there. It's like, oh, 
you know, all these people are going to try to create like little gods for you, little, you know, little pills, little uh, maneuvers. And they're all going to be like, like some quasi religious experience. And they're trying to, that's kind of what that warning was about. It wasn't just about like, you know, against Hindus or something <laughs> like, uh, so this false idols concept, but like, once you get beyond all that, right, you skip all that noise, like these types of like, um, activities clearly have an effect on your body and your mind. Um, and ultimately like, like what coach was saying before, it's not that simple. It's not, it's not any different than like going to say, for example, a vacation in a rare place that has nothing to do with your existing culture. It's like a shock to your, like your, it's so different socially or whatever. Like, let's say you live normally, you drive a car to work and you do this and that, and you plan a computer, but then you go to a place that has no computers. You're living in an igloo and you are like, uh, mushing, uh, dogs to go to, um, you know, some, you know, river to go fish or something, right? Like you're doing something so different than your norm that it completely distracts you from like, uh, the rest of your normal reality and you're going to take home memories and messages from that experience and i think the the hot and cold water bath thing like you said is similar to that right the question then becomes like is this something you go to on some sort of regular basis for some reason and some people get into that and then like they're doing it over and over again which is interesting so i don't know what you're taking yeah no, that's awesome uh, I, what yeah Steffi, so concise um to to answer some of your things, I the reason I went to uh, this they call it like thermogenesis therapy, hot cold, and the reason I would go there was yeah you're absolutely right I was like super stressed out anxiety I was sh like shaking um, I thought things were just like I couldn't see in front of me type of thing so I was like primed to try something new something different. I could have done drugs. I could have done alcohol. I could have gone on a long trip. You know, I could have found religion, that type of thing. But for some reason, it was that location that got me to go to that, that location got me basically. Um, why that did, I mean, I could try to explain it, but I'm, I'm not going to right it, now. It's, but. it's one of those things <laughs> like when, when there's like some kind of despair, some sort of desperation, right? You, you're looking for something. And yeah, it, it just so but, happens that this was proximal to you, right? Like you happen to maybe go by it when you're going to work or something like that. And it's, yeah, and, you happen and to I, see it, right? It is close to me. Like proximity, you're absolutely right. Like I'll, I'll give you that proximity. It's walking distance. So it, it's convenient. But after doing it, like I'm spending only $99 a month on this thing. Okay. So like, why am I spending $99 a month on basically 45 minutes uh, three times a week, right? For the last two years, why am I doing that? And I started trying to justify it or not justify it, right? Like, I'm like, do I really need to be, is this a crutch for me? And then I started like listening to PhDs. I don't know, I'm sure you've heard of Andrew Huberman. And no, not like specifically, the, no. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Andrew Huberman, Andrew Huberman, he's Stanford uh, lecturer and professor um he provides like free um uh, education on youtube um uh, he's been on some pretty good podcasts uh here in america i know there's some people here not in america but um like on joe rogan and those types uh the circuits and even like lex friedman and he describes in detail with like journal like uh, scientific journals um explaining the benefits of thermogenesis therapy um, they have like certain protocols where if you go to like, if you do 25 minutes 
three times a week, 11 minutes of cold bath per week. Um, there are like ways to increase your, your serotonin, your norepinephrine, your, um, you know, those types of um, uh, dopamine, those types of things to create um, a, a more quality life. But um, yeah, there's, there's no question yeah. that all of these things get affected by these, right? But um, where, where it gets weird is like to make um, where to make actual like claims that like let's say you took a thousand people and you took another thousand people and the the thousand that did this somehow, you know, maybe were more successful in life or something like that, um, or or whatever, like some sort of metric, right? The problem yeah. with these types of things is they're impossible to sort of study in the classic sense because. There's no such thing as a placebo to a hot bath or, or a, you know, cold water bath or something like that, right? So there's no way to, so there's a very strong power of suggestion. And it's one of these things where it's like, you can say, well, this is bullshit and blah, blah, blah. But you can also say, well, here's the thing. If, it, um, if it's worth the money to you and it achieves the effect that you think it's achieving, then on the other hand, you know, this is an effect that like maybe you couldn't have gotten elsewhere, perhaps. I don't know. Or maybe you could have, and maybe you're just wasting your money. Who the hell knows? But at the end of the day, it's like, if it's doing, like, you know, I'll give you another example where this is a, a factor. Like, so acupuncture was touted as, like, this thing to, like, help you quit smoking. Turns out it doesn't do a damn thing. Like, like, like there's no significant quit rates among people that use acupuncture for this purpose. But when someone asks me, hey, like, should I use acupuncture? I, you know, I've tried this. I've tried gums, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to quit, you know, pretty much you know, my, uh, you know, what I pretty much say is, yeah, why not? And the reason is because if you're coming and asking me about whether it's possible it could work, then you may be open already to the power of suggestion, as opposed to if I just take a broader audience and say, hey, go do acupuncture. Uh, it's like, they're not the same primed people, sort of, and ready to sort of accept that as a way to quit. So, you know, if power of suggestion makes it work, and the acupuncture is just all, you know, like just a distraction and bullshit. Well, that's perfectly fine as long as you quit smoking, right? Like, and then you'll live longer and like, I've done my job and like, it's all good. So in a way, it's like the cause and effect. Uh, ultimately, it's like, you know, if you want a specific desired outcome and the, the, the way you get to that outcome is like reasonable, like it's not like, oh, like, I've seen some funny shit. Like, um, like there's a lot of stuff like where there's a lot of scammers in the, like healthcare, right? Um, it, like, I'll give you an example of where it's kind of harmful. So. Um, so there's these guys that um, come to me for, you know, lung disease, um, cause they've smoked a long time and they've, they have really bad, you know, emphysema and all. And so now they're like trying to quit smoking and, um, no, not quit smoking. I'm sorry. They're trying to like breathe better. They're, they're trying to get back to the point where they could breathe normal again, but they can't because the lungs are destroyed, right? There's not a way to, you know, uh, put, you know, the, 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 you just can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again at that point. The lungs are just gone, right? There's nothing there. And what's happening is, is they're just winded. So they're really desperate. So they go to Google and all, and they're like, Oh, what can I do for my emphysema? And obviously, uh, any paid advertisement on Google is going to show up close to the top. And in a place in Texas, there is like this uh, center called, I don't know what it's called. Um, the, um, like some stem cell, uh, I don't know, some, you know, stem cell research, something, another center, like some bullshit. Anyway, it's not an actual anything. And they have some like article that is truly some subjective bullshit article that they published somewhere online, like nothing reputable. And, uh, cause now anything, anyone can publish anything. 
And um, so what they'll do is they'll go and they'll, you know, it's like, oh, it's a $7,000 per person thing. And what they do is they take your blood and they put it in a centrifuge. I don't know if you know what that is, like where you spin the blood around. And uh, it blood has like different components in it, like, like blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, exactly, plasma. So when you centrifuge it, like you'll get these layers where it looks pretty neat, like, you know, uh, a little clear layer and a little darker layer and all that, right? So what ends up happening is, is they show them this thing. They're like, okay, look, this is what we've done with your blood. And, um, and we're going to basically um, take the stem cells and put them back in your body. It's not really a false claim in the sense that like, um, it's like saying like, you know, like cantaloupes don't have cholesterol. Yeah, it's, it's not a false claim. But at the same time, you're implying that somehow like it's more healthy because cantaloupe you know, doesn't have cholesterol in it. But like plants don't have cholesterol ever. So it's like it just. But anyway, like, so what they do is they say, hey, we're going to put stem cells back in you. All of our blood has some cells floating, stem cells floating around in it, in the bloodstream. But that doesn't mean they're going to go and like rebuild your lung. That's not a thing. So, um, so what they say is, okay, they took the voodoo of like the, the public idea of what stem cells do, what they are, what they might be. And then they package that into this thing where they say, come here, we're going to do this stem cell thing. And they literally just take your blood for $7,000, put it in a centrifuge and inject it back into you. And um, the people come out of it like, you know, like, like basically scam that of their money. Uh, it doesn't do anything. But it's one of those things that if you're rich and you have money and you're like, ooh, this is the one thing that's going to make me better. All the idiots, these regular doctors, these, uh, these MDs, you know, they claim all this shit and like they, they do all this research, but they can't figure out how to fix my emphysema. Like that's kind of like the attitude they have, right? So then they'll go and instead of just facing reality that, that this is just how it's going to be, they have money. So they're like willing to part with it in order for something interesting to happen. And like, you know, like placebo effect is pretty strong in, in uh, medical things. You know, it's like maybe up to 20, 30%. And, you know, uh, shortness of breath in particular is super subjective. It's like a very brain centric thing. Like imagine, remember like morphine is something that can suppress shortness of breath, just like it suppresses pain. So like these guys, like they'll have this idea that, um, okay, I've got this injection. I paid $7,000 for it. And seven grand is a strong power of suggestion, right? Like, in other words, if Addie goes and buys a $7,000 purse and she's not happy with the fucking purse, then something's gone way wrong, right? Like, so you're going to have a tendency to say, hey, I really like this purse because I paid seven grand for it or, or for the stem cell treatment or whatever. And it's like paying for, you know, paying for feeling better. Um, whereas like what Coach is saying is like probably some of those exact same things can be achieved through some sort of meditative state or some other um, method. Like, in other words, like what you're doing, uh, Robin, is probably dramatically less expensive than what some of these people are doing to sort of like, quote unquote, feel better, right? Like, so I think it's okay if people aren't like getting ripped off for gargantuan sums of money. I think it's stupid when like, you know, they, they take you on some like fucked up retreat to some country and then they like plug you into something and like charge you 10 grand or 50 grand or there are those places too that like take rich people's money. So anyway, yeah, you know, I, that's I love how you tied that together because I think what you're talking about is like regenerative medicine, which is like not FDA approved and it's basically for joints, like anywhere the joints are, right? And they they, they spin it up and they put it into your knees and they give you like an 80%, 90, like 90%, but they don't guarantee anything. Insurance doesn't yeah. take and a lot any of type is, of money. A lot of it is fundamentally bullshit. Like what it is is like the you know they'll and they'll also like if you stance right they'll, they'll these people will take the stance and oh because it, oh the fda doesn't want you to know about this or they'll they'll make this claim they're like 
oh, doctors just don't want you to do this. They want to make yeah. Money. The person, the they person that is, <laughs> yeah. There's there's this entrepreneur guy here, and he's opening up, and he 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 reached out to me, and I was curious because I never really heard of regenerative medicine, but we we spoke for about an hour at his office, and he was telling me about regenerative medicine, and um, I don't know if you knew, but I I've worked I've I worked in insurance for quite a bit, like Medicare, um, but. The, the interesting thing is that the, the what he said is the FDA won't approve it because it's like, how can you uh, how can the insurance companies make money off of your own biologicals, your natural biological? Right. How can they do that? They can't take well, what's in you and then yeah, well, it remember, and then try to companies, charge you money. <laughs> insurance companies don't make money if uh, they, and, they only <laughs> make money if you they lose money if you use drugs. Uh, if you get medicines, if you go to the hospital, if you go to the clinic. So actually, like if you don't, if you pay for insurance, you don't do anything. That's how they make money. Like the insurance companies aren't like making or not making money on these little visits. Like if they thought that like, OK, uh, you go to these visits every month, um, it's going to keep you out of a psychiatrist's office or something. They'd be more than willing to pay for it. Right? Like that's not the issue. Um, the thing is, like the, mo many, many of these types of things are largely just like unverified noise. like. Imagine if I told you, like, okay, I'm going to have a book reading session at the local Barnes and Nobles, and if you come to my book reading session, it's going to uh, maybe put you into a state where you know you're going to be less depressed, less anxious, and whatever. Um, I don't know that um, you you would constitute that as like some sort of like medical therapy, exactly, right? Like, yeah. So there's a there's a breakdown between like what would you consider something that you would think of as like a scientific discipline and more of just like a either like not as yeah spiritual or kind of sensory kind of thing but yeah it's 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 like that whole industry is weird in that like um so it much is, of it is bs it's but at the same really time, popular though human like, beings it, are really susceptible to power of suggestion so it's like the question is like if the medical community doesn't do things that offer those kinds of power of suggestion type things the public always goes somewhere for it right if they just do yeah, if there's a franchise, like if you like franchise times and if you try to open up, like if you're looking into like franchising, there's this company called QC Kinetic and it is going gangbusters. I mean, it started in 2020 with like 10 locations in like Tampa and now there's close to 100 locations. It's only been two years. So that's crazy. Yeah. And there's a lot of locations in Texas and they're just opening up. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I was going to say, like, um, it's actually easier in some ways. Uh, if you're really smart, uh, it's much easier to sell people like some kind of like, you know, stupid supplement and you make more money at it than you would if you were an actual doctor. That's the other funny like thing. People think like, oh, yeah, like, you know, like doctors are making money and all this other business. And like they're, they're there to sort of make sure I stay sick and all this other noise, like as if we like really care that much to make you stay sick. Like, it's like, it's ridiculous. And, and, but then, you know, you get into this thing where like they're um, the type of claims they make are like funny. Cause it's actually the, the supplement industry that basically gets so much easy money with a free pass that they don't have to do anything really. Like you just package some shit in a pill and like give it out. And next thing you know, people are buying it because it's natural. It's a weird kind of like postmodern kind of behavior where people are like, oh, you know, vaccines are bad. But like these pills I get from the store that do God knows what. Like <laughs> like during this pandemic, uh, like I was telling you guys, like I had this um, 
like kind of family friend that um, they have a pretty sizable like supplement factory. It's in the Northeast and uh, um, in, in the New Jersey area. And uh, I think it's like 200,000 square foot facility. And their, their claim to fame is like they're really, really good at creating um, like supplements that are very pure, like, you know, whatever fruits and different things they add to it. Like they're like FDA regulated in the sense that like, their claims of purity are actually like verified or whatever. So you're not getting like pure bullshit. And um, the thing is like during the pandemic, they were like making so much money. Like they were just like hand over fist because people want like stupid shit for like viruses. Like, like, you know, like they just like think that, oh, like vaccines are bad. And, you know, oh, if only I had access to like supplements and whatnot, I'm not going to get any viruses. It's the whole, the whole sh schema is like insane. But they made a ton of money off of that. It's like just ridiculous, crazy money. Um, and they were just running that factory 24-7, just trying yeah. to the demand supplements. This, and they, doing a little research on the QC Kinetic, like their, um, their marketing. Uh, you know, the, the main person marketing, you know how like Medicare has uh, Joe Namath and JJ Watts? Uh, like if you're over 65, you've, you've seen those um, those commercials oh, yeah yeah what those are those like, you're entitled to zero percent insurance or zero dollar if you ever insurance. get old if you ever get old don't sell your uh, medicare to those supplemental fuckers yeah you don't want that yeah that's just a good yeah. way to get less health care it's really pathetic and um and then so qc kinetic they have emmett smith <laughs> emmett smith is like talking about how amazing the regenerative platelet rich plasma uh you know is for uh for regenerative medicine and like some people, I don't know. I don't think you're into sports, Seffi. Coach, now, some are of, you? Some of those. Coach, are you into actually, sports? Though some of those things actually legitimately do things, like the platelet-rich plasma and this and that. It's just like, oh, uh, I'm I'm certainly not uh, a high level of expertise in it. Like I have some people friends in like plastic surgery and this and that that like have a better idea about it. But like, yeah, some of those things actually do things. Um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. too. I think, uh, Coach, have you heard of uh, Sam Harris? Yeah, yeah, one of the, the four horsemen of atheism, along with Dawkins, Daniel Dennett, and Christopher Hitchens. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Those guys are, those guys are, those guys are heady. My inspiration. Um, I, I, I got into Christopher Hitchens um, when I was like 23, so it was kind of still formative, but not really. But um, he, I mean, he was the whole reason I kind of got out of religion. Um, he just had better arguments and, um, yeah, but anyway, uh, Sam Harris, nother, that's a whole nother ball of wax. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother ball of wax. Let's, let's stick with meditation because Sam Harris, um, I got his app called waking up and I've already spent like, like probably close to 500 minutes on it. And it, it's great. Like, it's awesome. Like, I really enjoy it. Like I, I I'm going to go meditate after this and I'm like looking forward to it. We're going to go on a nice little walk and um, just listen to some of what he says. And what he says is like pretty cool. And like, it reminds me a little bit of like coach too, but like a different cadence, different voice. Um, back when coach was humble, man, I would listen to, you know, I would listen to all of your, uh, your audio stuff. And that's like, have you, has anyone ever approached you to like be part of like, I wonder if you could do a community where um, we're right here, Robin, we're right here. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, I, I, I also worked. At, I also recorded a few audio books um, on Audible. I've recorded a few for people, so I've had uh, offers and stuff. Yeah. 
but I've never I could totally I've, see that. Yeah. So, so coach, so when they, when they, when they come to you, like, are they emailing you? Or are they DMing you? Like, how are they, how are they um, approaching you? Do you mean audible itself or meditation stuff or what? Yeah. When, when you're trying to, when they're basically trying to take your voice and use it as an asset, like, what are they trying to, like, how are they approaching you? Oh, it depends. Um, just having this Twitter, I've got a few approaches from various things like companies wanting me for, for their like telephone internal thing and also for some videos. I did recordings for Prison Protocol and a few different things. I think I did one for XDeFi Wallet a while back. Um, yeah, I've done, I've done a bunch of them, but like a lot I've just ignored because I can't be bothered because it's time intensive and like often it's not very fun at all. The, the audio book thing is quite interesting because if you sign up to Audible, the like the 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 back end dashboard of that is a thing called ACX, and that is the the platform that connects narrators to the the writers, and it's quite interesting because it's entirely an audition based thing. So people put their books up. So I've auditioned some really fucking funny books. There's like gay vampire novels and stuff, right? Like 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 gay gay BDSM vampire novels, like you know. And uh, there was a novel I read before of like a wolf pack fucking a woman, and like this whole drama and erotic story and stuff that I auditioned for. And and there's a huge list of books, and then you click on the book, and you're given like a one page audition script, which can be like the vampires fucking whoever, the wolves or whatever else, and you just read it out. You record it. You you normalize it. You compress it. You make sure you do your basic audio editing because the ACX has its own like um, standards. You want it a certain decibel range and and um, you know dynamic compression range and stuff. And then you just send it. And however many people um, uh, send the auditions, and the, and the author just chooses. And then you either have like a a full payment, which can be like an hourly rate um, for you. It's not the the hourly rate in terms of you reading. It's your, your well. It's it's like to to record one hour of edited audio might take you about four hours. So they pay like a multiple of your hourly rate, which is quite interesting. And then sometimes the, the deal can be it's entirely royalty. So however many books it sells, you might split it 50-50 with the author or something. So I've done a bunch of those and it's quite fun and quite interesting. And it's uh, probably like the, probably one of the most fun things you can do because you're learning and reading a potentially really ridiculous book. But at the same time, you're earning like passive income from it from royalties. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean there's there's certain people that appreciate um you know listening some people are annoyed when they get like a voice message you know uh some people just prefer like a text right format um i always thought that it would be easier for people to do just a voice message it's quicker it's simple you can listen to it but then i started thinking about it and like if you're in a if you're in like a crowded area right and there's other people around you want to be a little bit res more respectful um you know not have a voice just speaking out but um yeah that's super cool man i'd, I'd love to um I hope, I hope that keeps on going uh, i think i think it will probably too um yeah i've i've wondered about how people get approached like that i wonder if it's like on linkedin or if it's like email or text or it's most likely twitter for you right yeah but but i did the audiobooks and stuff before twitter you just audition um, most people just suck at this stuff. Like the guys who are narrators aren't. But what good. made what made you think, hey, I'm gonna go and like audition for this? Like, not that's the I, first I, thing I think of. It just looked fun. Just looked fun. I think you a just sort of like said, hey, like someone needs to do these readings. A friend had a friend had told me that I should do it because I'd done voiceover stuff in the past, 
And then I just looked up how people become audiobook narrators, and it turned out to be really fucking simple and fun. You know, you just read one page of a vampire gay novel or something, and then they 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 reply in like a week or something, and you've got it, and it's easy. <laughs> so I just did it for a laugh. But do um, besides the gay stuff, like I mean, that's cool. I, mean, I think you know that's awesome. But the I said that kind of rude. Now that I'm thinking about it. I mean, it can be rude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, dude, say whatever the fuck you want we don't care the, the, <laughs> it, um, for audiobooks I did one book on, on business and investment and I did another one on, on self-development psychology and um, yeah they're, they're, they're the two books I did under a pseudonym what do you, what do you think about um, going, going a little bit into like what Sethi was saying to like the placebo like I'm curious coach like what do you can you measure someone self-development progress because i feel like there's how do you measure that yeah there's a load of different models probably an interesting thing to look into would be uh ken wilber's integral philosophy and integral psychology um his his axes of human development it is quite interesting yeah you can measure it and and there are lots of models for ego development and and stuff like that yeah look up ken wilber and maybe start reading one of his books i think a good initial book is a book called no boundary which kind of traces the development of, of um, the human ego structure towards the transpersonal and then beyond. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, I've never heard of those ones. Ken Wilber and No Boundaries. I'm going to add this to the... I've been writing... I mean, I'm going to note this. Meditation and, and, and more of a, a spiritual angle, which means your relationship to your own mind. Then, yeah, that's a good thing to explore. He's, yeah, to, I, he's mapped it, right. basically. He's mapped this this development in quite an interesting way. I I I think about like the optimal time to study, and I was listening to Andrew <clears throat> Andrew Huberman, and he was mentioning like thirteen minutes, like that is just enough time. Something about that number thirteen. I'm not like numerology, nothing like that. I'm just saying like the 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 time where you can sit down and you can have 13 minutes like i think a stat came out like the average person can't even stop looking at their phone for longer than four minutes and i, I was like oh my gosh that's so true so i'm like i'm testing myself to get to like 10 minutes without looking at the phone i don't know if that sounds bad or not but there's just so much dopamine like that you can get when you reach it for the phone and like social media so like 13 minutes or 14 minutes, what have you, I'm sure it's not exactly 13 minutes, but have you heard people say like, there's a certain, like a sweet spot for, for meditation? Mm, yeah. People have their different theories. I think it's something you just need to experiment with though. Right. I think it's very easy to believe someone or to, to buy into some model or to have someone tell you something, but a lot of the progress you make in meditation is just doing it and then realizing that, hey, this method works better for me and this duration works better for me. And even this particular place um, that I'm meditating works better for me, like going to a park rather than being in the house or something like that. It's For me, everything has come through experimentation. Like I never really bought into what other people said or even um, what Buddhist scripture said or what teacher said, or anything like that. It was all just inspiration, all just ingredients in my fridge that I took out and cooked a meal with. And over experimentation and playing around and stuff, you realize that, hey, you know, this particular thing works. This is interesting. There's clearly been a shift over my like week or two of doing this particular practice. Um, and then it becomes like an interesting thing to pursue. 
So it's all experimentation. I wouldn't, uh, I don't know. I think Huberman and others are kind of these weird um, productivity machines where everything is like, we have to optimize everything, like like a kind of a modern Timothy Ferris or something. I think there's something disgusting about them, to be honest. I, I don't think they, they never let go on some level. Like it's everything is like compacted and, and oh, I read this study and if you do um, a gratitude practice in this particular way for five minutes per day, that can have the most neuroplastic it's it's like that kind of stuff all the time. It's, it's something is yeah. fucked up about them. They're freaks. It doesn't even sound fun. Like when they talk about it, I'm like, okay, like that's cool. I think you're doing pretty well, and you know, you're 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 progressing in life, and you're being successful, and you're making money. But like, are you like, how's that fun? Like you're not even playing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it I think sounds boring. That kind of compulsive. Like there's this this central mode of mind that takes over their lives and tries to optimize everything for some kind of goal. Like it's constantly optimizing, constantly reading the research and optimizing and, and systemizing and, uh, you know, drilling down these little compartments of time in their lives and stuff. But there's a sense that, that it's just all one aspect of the mind. It's all one compartment. And, and there's much more than that, right? There's like the, the inner child and there's like, who the fuck cares anyway? And like, what's it all for? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and, you know, not another second of life is guaranteed. So, you know, does this stuff really matter? I know it's his business. Like his, his Huberman and Timothy Ferris and stuff, they're like, you know, you can achieve X amount in a much shorter time and there are ways to optimize X and Y and you can, you can make money and, and do these things and you can, you know, uh, delegate most of your life to others. Their whole thing is like this whole idea and to be kind of supermen who manage to synthesize and, 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 and do all this stuff better than anyone. But I think it's all kind of freaky. Like it's for somebody. But to there's a but there's like that kind of like self help kind of thing for like executive type people, right? The people that want to, you know, oh, I'm you know Mark Zuckerberg and I have all black T-shirts or something like that. Like there's this crowd that is like trying to just like weirdly optimize their um, their time because okay. they have so little of it and they have to like get their mental shit in order. They got to be more efficient at work, all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it's it's limited. Like it's clearly limited, and a lot of these guys just aren't happy at all. You know, if they were happy, there would be um, a lot less compulsive drive to forever optimize and do these things. It, it's you know, the, the the kind of basic human restlessness is that this it's just must... it's just one more type of like artist, like you were mentioned. We were talking about before, like. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also it's also a general mental story, right? The, the the story in a lot of these people is that this moment, exactly as it is, isn't perfect as it is, and I need to change something, tweak something, compulsively optimize something. And also, there's a moment in future where I'll get to this like uh, this optimal state where everything is perfectly industrious or something like that. There's this this weird drive. It's like this going from point A to point B all of the time, somehow restless, somehow. Um, but it's also the, like, it's doing that, doing that like optimization, that fine tuning that relieves some anxiety and like pushes you. So like, it's almost like the journey of doing that is, is sort of the thing. It's like, it's like a ritual. It's not necessarily the outcome, but sometimes just the doing of the, of that like practice or whatever that seems to be part of the game. Yeah. There's I'm saying. There's a lot of people that I used to work with, like in office, that were out like inspirational, but at the same time, like kind of overwhelming. And I'm lucky enough to have like two parents still together and they still love each other and you can see it. So like, um, you know, that's an unfair advantage uh, sometimes. 
Um, but I've also wondered, like, if I didn't have a dad, like, what the hell? Like, would I be more entrepreneurial? Like, I, like I have friends that don't have dads and they're just a little bit more industrial, right? They're a little bit more entrepreneurial. Now, for whatever reason, why that is, I, I mean, I could jump off of that. But probably. going back to, huh? No, I mean, probably um, the reason is that a lot of children with single parents, they are always looking for money. So they're driven by that and they don't want to live the same way they grew up. So that's, that's a part of it. I just want to say that. And I just want to say hi and thank you for this space. And I love Robin's questions. They're making Coach Bruce and Sefi go off and I love it. Um, and I love the intersection of like meditation and spirituality and crypto. So thank you. Yeah, Dr. Terry, that's awesome. I, I, I like Sefi and Coach and, and Addy. I think you guys, uh, let me just like try not to gas you up, but like, it's like genuinely, genuinely, like, I think if you, if you guys keep on going down this path where you bring in crypto and digital assets and meditation and like practicality and like objectivity, um, it's just, a, I think it's a net positive. Um, I think it's a net positive for everyone. I know when I was in the Luna, the Luna crowd, like just listening to everyone, like it was great. It was a great mental thing for me. And a lot of these places are toxic. And you can jump into like a toxic room and just see, oh, okay, that's what it's like. Or you can like choose your own, you know, choose your own adventure. But yeah, I think I think, it, I think I mean, at some level we're kind of like maybe dreamers or maybe um, what's the right word? Yeah, dreamers. And I think when people are, are dreamers and believers in in something, then it's it is kind of fun and maybe intoxicating to be around that to some extent right so it's and it's it's fun finding maybe those like-minded people that dream the same things or or foresee a world that's gonna look a certain way and and um yeah it's 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 fun uh like it you know i i think it's like you're always looking for that in in the world somewhere and it's like it's hard it's hard to find and some people find it in some religious groups some people find it in like groups where they have like uh some kind of like shared hobby for example uh you see it at like gyms for example like you're saying like when you go to like uh people that like performance fitness of varying levels it's like a meditation they do it over and over again but uh eventually make a lot of friends doing that one thing and you know they they all sort of it's like a shared dream basically so um you're you're sort of looking for that kind of companionship at times and it's kind of um i think everyone's searching for that to some level or the other yeah, I, I remember listening to Coach. He like put it into words where, like, it's hard for him. Or I thought it was. I thought that this is what he said. Like, and I'm totally paraphrasing, but like, it's hard to find certain groups of people that you can connect with and understand, right? Like sometimes as you just go out into IRL and you, you you talk to people and you're not quite sure if they're like vibing with you or not. Um, only time tells. But then. I think the, the the amount of velocity of people that you can speak to here on Twitter um, is just gives you a lot of more like experimentation um, that way as well. Yeah, and I think there's I think there's a whole like I don't know I I don't even know what the universe of Twitter Spaces looks like. I think um, we tend to see the little spaces at the top, you know, related to people that we follow, obviously, and it shows people that follow you kind of 
and it kind of pulls you towards those things. So it's definitely, it it's definitely uh, designed to be uh, relevant to whatever you care about, but it's also designed to have an echo chamber. I think I cut out there for a second. Um, it's designed to be kind of an echo chamber, but also designed to just, like stay relevant. So, like, yeah, if you want to do something like completely different, there's all sorts of people talking about all sorts of stuff on here. You just have to like pick different subjects and stuff, and like just go and see what they're saying. Yeah, I'm trying to find people that are talking about grid bots, and you're the only person that I have found that talks <laughs> we, about we grid bots. <laughs> on that, about what to do. <laughs> yeah, Coach, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coach, you use, you use grid bots? I'm the grid bot god. I'm the one who taught Sefi. <gasps> oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, like, I heard a little bit about it. Um, like Pax G, I, I'm like I don't even know how to set up one. I'm I'm completely, yeah, not even. I have no idea what to do. I'll be like Addy and like what what? How do we start? Like, I'm, does anyone else besides you two talk about? Like, since you are the god of the god of grid bots, like who are your? You might know some uh, other people. Uh, whenever you whenever you have any true wisdom, don't expect many people to come to your feet they they tend to do their own things or believe the the common bullshit and stuff so when we talk about grid bots yeah we don't have much of an audience but we're this is the this is the collateral damage of being a visionary robin you you don't get many listeners <laughs> okay all right well I'll, i'm i'm here for it i'm here for the grid bot talk <laughs> sorry i had a phone call come in so i kind of got knocked out of that i'm not a missed what's a grid bot Oh, um, <laughs> uh, it's I can look it up. Short, I just short, didn't know short if answer else, is like on certain uh, crypto exchanges like KuCoin, you can basically set up a system where, uh, long story short of it, is like the system kind of like automatically buys and sells things for you. And if you, you know, pick the right strategy with that, you can pretty, you can make oh, a okay. pretty, I get it. You can make a pretty decent sort of like, uh, consistent income uh, from that, and some of us use that. I guess I've just never heard it called a grid bot. I've just heard it called a bot. Um, but, yeah, okay. there's different types of bots. There's there's uh, a grid is a very specific type. There's all sorts of other things you can automate when it comes to buying and selling. Like imagine you have something and it automatically buy it buys or sells at a prescribed time a certain amount of some asset. Right. See, there's many different ways you can do that. Um, for example, social sentiment, or you could do it based on any number of different technical indicators, and this and that. Whereas this is a very particular type of technique where you're looking at the basically the price range of an asset and you say, I want to buy a little bit all the way down. I want to sell a little bit all the way up and everything in between. So every time price goes up and down, some is being sold, some is being bought. It's just a constant thing. And that's pretty much the the gist of it and um setting setting all that up there's some subtlety to that in terms of um uh it's there's still some like uh guesswork that has to be done in terms of like predicting what you think is the um the price range of something's going to be which of course is very difficult in general but um the more successful you are at narrowing down that range um like the more productive the thing is in terms of like generating income. That's the idea. 
Yeah, and every time like he talks about it, like Sebi talks about it, like someone comes up. It seems like someone comes up, and when especially when coach is talking too, like people come up and like are adulating. They're just like, "Thank you so much! Like this is great! Like life is going to be forever the best! <laughs> like everything has been solved! Well, I don't have to yeah. do anything now." <laughs> there's some <laughs> like there's what? Some, yeah, there's some ba- some basic principles behind it, but yeah, it's a pretty good. Um, it, it's it's a pretty good technique as far as like uh just generating kind of a a simple constant income um it's not it's not all that fancy it's actually a lot simpler than you might think and um it's like you have to have a certain goal in mind like it's not that you can't like have an asset go down in value while you're doing this thing it's just that if you know prices were to go up or down there are consequences that are different than if you just simply buy something and hold it or try to sell it or whatever, right? Or short it. So it's just a different technique. Yeah, you you need to do it fairly long term as well. So you actually experience the, vol- the volatility. Like in the short term, if an asset goes right up, you're going to miss out on a lot of that due to gridding. So you need to capture the long term volatility to really benefit from it. Um, I, I think if, if somebody had, say, $100,000 and wanted to become a a millionaire for sure in say like, I don't know, three years. I think doing grid bots is like a no brainer. You can get like 10, 20% a month um, with a good strategy and a good range um, consistently uh, for, for almost like every month consistently. Yeah. To the extent where you can sit around in tour spaces and fuck around all day. Yeah. Yeah. Like probably one of my regrets that when I, when I had a fuckload of money in Lunar and stuff to not, to not just put it all in a massive grid bot. Um, and just live off the yield forever. I should have done the same thing, actually. <laughs> technically speaking, yeah, because it's so it's so easy, and and it, the whole concept with grid bots is just that you know the the crypto the crypto market is volatile. People can try as much as they like to try and predict what will happen based on you know technical analysis and and fundamental analysis and whatever inside information they have. But at the same time, like nobody knows what the fuck is going to happen. Right. Everyone was talking. What was everyone talking about, about before Christmas? 100K Bitcoin, um, Plan B and his theories and all that stuff. Right. And then and then what happened? OK, we're down to 20K. It's, it's almost as if y- you can only predict um, the, the only thing you predict is like that it will be surprising in some way. And and yeah, there are patterns, but but you can't really you can't really buy into them long term. The only thing you can really count on is volatility. Right. You can't say that that this particular asset will go up or down over a particular time frame. And you also can't say this will be the right time to exit or right time to enter. That's just impossible. But the only real um, guarantee you have is that that everything will be really volatile. And you can more or less say the range it will be volatile in. Like if you were to start a grid bot now and it was something like, I don't know, like 10K to 40K, you could say that probably um, over the, the next duration of months, it'll probably be volatile within that range. It's not going to be too crazy. Like sentiment isn't going to turn around completely very suddenly. So if you set a range like that and just eat the volatility, you can expect to still make, you know, 10% a month or something. It's, it's, yeah. And, and, and let's say like, like take that example that you just gave, like Bitcoin 10,000 to 40,000, right? Um, what's the like best and worst case scenario? The, the best case scenario is like next week, the price doubles and this thing sells out all of your assets by selling all the way to the top, right? Okay, so what? You're in you're in the green, like whatever. You didn't lose any money doing that, right? 
Yeah. On the other hand, you might say, well, I wish I would have done this. I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd longed the market or, you know, done leverage or some bullshit. But that's not what this is for. This is just for like just, me- just a simple, um, a simple methodology where the odds are in your favor. And then if the price goes down, like let's say it goes down 10,000, well, great. You know, you're fine because you have only half of the, you've only put uh, less than half of maybe like, well, in this case, about half of your assets have been put into the thing and the rest mm-hmm. is in cash. So it's like, you haven't really like taken a huge risk. And if the price goes down, wonderful, because now you're buying on the way down and you wanted Bitcoin anyway. So like, well, great. Um, and, and it worked out yep. better than just simply just going all in right now. So it's like, in a way, it's like, uh, depending on how you set these things up, that's like a more conservative strategy in terms of like, uh, yeah, there are even more, into things. There are even more conservative, like, so, so all grid bots aren't equal, right? You can set your range to be very different. So for instance, with a grid bot, I say if Bitcoin is 20,000 now, I can set my grid bot to be 10K to 30K. I can set it to be say 10K to 60K. Or I can be really conservative. So for instance, one thing I do when I want to play the, the safe game is if Bitcoin is 20K now, I might start a grid that is about, say, um, 21K down to 5K. And, and the reason for that is that it sets the initial orders based on the range. So if I set a grid bot that is, say, um, 5K to 21K, that will mean that it only sets sell orders for 20K to 21K. And that means that it only buys about, I, I don't know what it is exactly, but it only would buy about 5% of the range. Yeah, about 5% or something, yeah. It would buy about 5% of the range such that it can sell it on the way up. It has those, it, it, it sets sell orders, so it has to buy the asset, has to buy the quote assets to make those sell orders on the way up. But at the same time, you hold 95% of your holdings in say USDT or USDC, one of the stable coins. And then the effect of having this, this, this like lopsided asymmetrical range where it's, where it's only on the downside, is that it will just buy on the downside. So when, when Bitcoin dips, it'll buy heavily. And you can set this to be um, not just linear, but also geometric. Um, and, if it, and if it doesn't, and if it doesn't, the interesting thing, like, well, let's say nothing happens. Like, let's say the price of Bitcoin goes up and you don't yep. make anything doing this. That's fine, too, because at least, um, like, at the end of the day, you didn't lose anything, right? So the, so the it, you, you know, you can always find another battle to fight. You can always find something yeah. else to invest in. And when you lose, well. when you lose capital, right? Like the problem is like, oh, I don't have any money now. Now, now what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So. Yeah, it's even better than that because you can set things like you can set um, uh, both grid trailing. That means when the price goes up, it's like the whole grid um, follows it. The, so for instance, if, if you set a trailing grid and I have my initial range of say 5K to 21K, if Bitcoin suddenly surges up to 27K, the, the whole grid follows upwards. So the, 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 the top sell order um, would go up to 27K and the bottom okay. one would add 6K to say 11K, right? So the whole grid trails up, but you can also set it to be slow trailing. So for instance, um, if there's a sudden pump and it just like spikes randomly, like some kind of scam wick or something, then the whole grid won't come up. It will only go up if there's like an average um, volatility in a certain range for a period of time so it can slowly trail so for instance what you can do is you can have you can have grid trailing such that um when the whole grid sorry when the price moves up for bitcoin say to 27k it'll then immediately start uh setting buy orders below 27k so it's like okay it was volatile within a certain range so you set your grid there and then bitcoin maybe surged the market sentiment changed and then it starts buying the higher range um because it's now like feasibly gone up there 
So it's quite interesting. You can you can not only be conservative um, with your USDT and keep the majority of the range in USDT, but you can also use grid trailing to change the range so it adapts to the current market situation. Yeah, it's another thing is like if I have like a, a friend or a family member or something, and they are like, let's say the market has really gone down already. Let's say you've already had like an eighty percent correction. Like Addie and I were talking the other day, and she got on Coinbase. She grabbed like some Adam at. 12 bucks or something and now it's at 16. So if you can get it relatively low, okay, fine, just buy it and stake it whatever, right? On the other hand, if you have a situation where like the prices have all gone up and you're like, "Ooh, I don't know, like all these people are talking like, you know, the next coming of Jesus is coming and like it's just like this amazing environment and uh-oh, like maybe it's uh maybe it's gotten too popular, like too many people have bought this, it's going to dump." Then um like it's almost like the grid bot's the better thing to learn first. It's almost like it's the, it's almost better to learn it first in crypto before everything else in in a way, because then you have like a method where, like you you understand like what your opportunity cost is. If you mess this up, you're losing all of the 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 easy income off the grid bot, and you're you're gambling on God knows what else, right? So mm -hmm. the the thing is like it's almost like that should be the disciplined in a way like first choice if i was going to sort of like be trading something as opposed to just buying and holding it crypto is interesting because like when people discover these potential 100x gains or things like luna um they do this weird thing where they go so heavily into it because they want this gain but it's like what's what's the worst and most conservative situation uh that that, that could be the case if i choose a more more safe strategy and it's really fucking big. It's like it's like two hundred percent a year in a safe grid bot. Um, if you're compounding it regularly and you set the range well and stuff, it's like it's literally fifteen twenty percent a month, it, it, which is nuts. Like so, so if you ask yourself rationally, like, would I rather have like a a low probability bet of this thing mooning, or would I rather have a conservative income of like twenty percent a month in grid bots? It's kind of a no brainer. It's like it's like yeah. we've we've adapted to these weird. Um, expectations you know in, in regular in the uk the, the i don't know what the savings rate are now like 0.1 percent a year or something right it's ridiculously small and suddenly in crypto we have these ideas of, of you know ten thousand x's and stuff and it's like we're, we're missing the conservative approach to crypto which is actually really fucking good and like 500 times better than the the fiat system yeah well, another the other way to think of this too is um uh like Long, in the long term, like let's say many years from now, when you know, like let's say everyone's using crypto, like these type of techniques won't be as interesting because the volatility will be much less. So these things are like useful in the wild west, like right now, more so. But um, additionally, it's almost like w one of the things I like have discovered and, and and have told people is like it's good if you make some yield on, let's say, a grid bot. It's really kind of good to think about like spending that money meaning like plan your plan your system out where you're like okay if this can make approximately this much i can pay my electric bill with it or my gas bill or my telephone bill right and the reason why you do this is because then you realize okay if i fuck this up if i go and gamble and do stupid shit like i'm going from a situation where i can just simply pay the bills doing this to where like like i got to go and work specifically for paying these things so it's like a good mental exercise that the first and foremost thing is to have enough generated consistent like yield on something that, you know, credibly can't go to zero uh, or multiple things like that. 
and you say, okay, well, I want to have these things and I'm going to have them specifically set up to generate yield to pay for my bills. That's a very good like initial mental exercise, I think. Like, And I don't think any kind of like financial planner or whatever the fuck is going to be like, oh yeah, don't pay your bills. You know, like it's the first like obvious thing to do with this stuff as opposed to sort of like trying to make some scheme where you get rich quick or whatever. Like if you were to lose your job and you were basically like, or become disabled or sudden, suddenly, right? If you have some system whereby like you're, you're paying all of your regular bills, um, you're really way ahead of most people at that point, right? So that's, that's an important thing. And crypto can do this with a relatively small amount of money when you're talking about like a grid bot making something like anywhere between like, yeah, like you said, like 50 to 200% yields, depending on how, how, what kind of thing you're like playing with. But like a, a, a rational yield rate for a grid bot, like even something relatively kind of conservative is somewhere between 60 to 100% uh, yield, which is a lot of money. If you think about it, yeah. like if you work for exactly. a year and you make X amount of money, right? And you, you make 60% of that in a year, that's pretty damn good. Exactly. Yeah. Um, sorry to interrupt, but I, for people, I know other people probably are thinking this too. Um, what would be the way I think of it? I call it a tech stack. Like what are your, like your bookmarks or what's your tech stack that you're starting with? Like what's the basics login single, you know, what are your logins that you're using? I know you said KuCoin, right? And there's some other stuff you said, I have some of them bookmarked right now, but I don't remember what they're called, but what are like the, the basic, uh, um, ways to log in. in the U.S. Um, at least for now, like uh, uh, acceptable options look like KuCoin, and um, another one is Pionex, P-I-O-N-E-X, and I think it trades off. Like you, you're not actually; it's doing the trades in the background, executed on Binance. And I think the fees are pretty low there too. Um, so these are a couple of options. Um, uh, Coach, have you had any other good ones that you really like? Uh, I I kind of um, dissociated because hot girls are messaging me. Sorry, good what? <laughs> any any <laughs> platforms that have but a good bus? Uh, you want to you in general you want to do two things. So you want to find platforms that have no fees. So a lot of the BUSD pairs, for instance, on Binance have no fees at all. It's one of the appeals. It's the way they're kind of bloating um, the total usage of of BUSD. So, so there are exchanges where there are no fees or um, opportunities to do really high frequency grid bot trading where there are no fees at all, which is really good because it means you can use um, more grid levels, more frequent trades, but at the same time, there's no downside. Usually the, the, the cost would be that the more frequent the trades, the higher the fees. So you'd have to set um, grid lines accordingly. But if you use, say, BUSD pairs on Binance, at least right now, I think there are zero fees at all. So you can do really um, dense grid trading with like fuckloads of, of things. The other thing is you should you should pay attention to the the amount of bots on a particular coin. So for instance, if you look on Qcoin, I think there are something like 900K um, spot grid bots and futures grid bots running at any one time. So it's constant grid activity. And um, there's also a ranking, like more volatile coins uh, are ranked and then people tend to grid bot those. So it's like a constant pressure um, diminishing the volatility on any given asset, right? It flattens it out. The more bot infrastructure, the more bots are running on any particular thing, um, the more bots are attracted to it and the more it flattens it out. 
but there's an interesting thing, for instance. So, so um, if you look on the KuCoin list, which is like probably the the place where the most people do bots, bot grid bots and futures grid bots. If you look on the list, not all coins are ranked um, there, and not all coins are available on on the native UI for for spot grid bots on KuCoin. So, something I've done is is I look for coins that are quite volatile but aren't listed on these things. So, one of them lately was was USTC, you know, the former dead stablecoin UST. Um, it was interesting because KuCoin only listed USDT grid bots, not USTC, sorry, not USDC, and not any other stablecoins. They only listed um, USDT uh, grid bots. So uh, one thing I did was I used third-party API things like Bitscap. You can look this up. It's a really good platform. Um, I think there's also like Polynex and some other ones that you can use. And I, I, I grid botted the pairs like USTC and USDT on um, Binance and on KuCoin, depending on the fees and stuff. And that was like super volatile, but you also benefited from the fact that, that almost nobody was running a grid bot from it. Um, and also I, I bet on like, you know, USTC is probably undervalued. And at some point it might be um, proposed that it's going to be repegged to $1. And there's, you know, if, if Lunk is surging, then there's probably going to be enthusiasm for the parts of the ecosystem that could be rebuilt and repaired. And one of those major factors, the foundation is, is USTC. So I thought it was like an interesting underlying fundamental combined with the fact that there was just almost no bot activity at all. So it was super volatile. So um, the times when it surged, it, it, sur it like did a 4X like really quickly um, about a month ago and then went back down. I just ate all of that with a grid bot. Um, I, I set my range to like, I, I don't know what it was, like 0.01 to uh 0.2 or something like quite a quite a big uh range and then i just ate the whole thing um and because there was almost no um bot activity on those things it was really volatile like much more volatile than it would otherwise been um and i think i used binance for that as well so no fees very frequent um heavy duty grid levels and and almost no bot activity on there so if you use these third-party apis and you target um, particular pairs that have almost no bot activity, and you also target um, exchanges that have almost no fees or, or ideally, uh, ideally like zero fees, then there are lots of interesting opportunities. But you obviously need to know how to set these up properly and set the range and like not miss out massively um, to know how to use them. But yeah, there's like a fuckload of opportunities. You know, have you, Coach, have you, thank you, by the way, um, that's, I mean, that's more than I was, that's more than I can handle right now. <laughs> um, have you heard of, uh, have you heard of the people called uh, with the podcast, um, Sean Pear and Sean Perry, Sean Perry and what's this? Sam, Sam something, but they have a podcast and it's been around since like 2017, 18. It's called My First Million. Have you heard of those? um no no explain um so all they do for like 45 minutes an hour long is that they just brainstorm and it's just two people kind of like you Safi, addy i mean you Safi, and addy addy, addy i'm so feel so bad like i want to bring addy in the conversation but um anyway so there's like they, they just go back and forth for 45 minutes and they've been just grabbing this one guy he's like indian and you can't i mean basically all he does is brainstorm one of the very very uh entrepreneurial startup types anyway what they do is they just come up with ideas and they have about uh i would say other newsletters around like two hundred fifty thousand k 
right now. Um, and they just recently got like Mr. Beast, which is like really, really big um, person on Twitter. Um, and then that that funny uh, comedian Hazan. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to say these last names, but um, super funny, dude. And it's just like the intersection between like um, Hollywood tech and like startups, basically. And they just speak for 45 minutes. And if you go onto YouTube, um, I'll, I'll message you his uh his twitter and you can like read through what he what he's all about but it would be so cool to see oh my gosh like it'd be so cool if you could talk to him like both of you talk about grid bots and like on the podcast i'm sure i'm sure they'd be open to you know just talking or, or DM dming but um that you could get a lot of subscribers there you could really like beef out your 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 community and get that overlap of the people that are like very like to brainstorm and come up with ideas and all they do for like 45 literally they outline every single idea that they've had and they've been doing this since like 2000 2018 or 2017 robin one of the uh little uh projects i'm working on is um a series of stickers and um there's this like community out there that uh um collects penis pumps you've seen these things and I'm like creating stickers for like achievements on that, right? So like you just stick them to the side of your penis pump. So that's like a whole thing, right? Um, coach, um, do you think uh, like what, what achievement levels do you think we need to have um, on the sticker collection? I don't know about that, but I think um, Robin is making a big assumption by assuming that we, we, we want to grow the community, that that's our goal. Personally, I want to be left alone. I don't know about you, Sefi. Like, I just want to be left alone. Yeah, that's why, like, our, the title of the spaces has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're messing with you, but, like... <laughs> I know, I know, I know you are. I was just, like, going off on a tangent here, but I was just, like, idea, idea. No, but bombing. realistically, I, I do tend to stay off of, like, YouTube and stuff. I think... Uh, just because like what I do as a profession and where I do it, it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to do a lot of things like uh, that are like non a non sort of things. And YouTube is not a great medium for, um, I think it's not, it's not, a, it's not the best podcasting medium, but it's also too, it's like better if you're, you know, people want to see your face. If you're on YouTube, it's weird to like, look at a, I think uh, Twitter spaces is the most fun and kind of creative and social outlet you can have without fully doxing yourself. So I like it. Yeah, they were mentioning how no one really is like Twitter famous. Like there's these like these anons, right? But like YouTube, you have like these people that have like millions and millions of subscribers type of thing. Spotify has Joe Rogan, Sirius Radio has Howard Stern. Yeah, you know? I, think, I think it depends on if your intention is to like monetize your information or maybe you have some kind of mission, some like evangelical mission where you're trying to like convince everybody in the world of some shit, right? Like it, it depends on what your goal is with those things. And I, I'm not, I'm just kind of here to have fun. I think mostly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm here. I'm here to get like, <laughs> I, I would say I'm probably one of the, you know, um, Diogenes wandered around the streets of Athens saying, I'm looking for an honest man. He shone the light in people's faces. Where is one honest man? I need to find one honest man. You know, he lived in his giant jar 
you heard of this guy. Um, uh, uh, but like, I, I feel the same. I'm like the only honest man on Twitter. I'm here to get laid. I create these spaces. I created my DAO. I did all of these things to get laid. And like, I'm not going to, to hide that. I'm going to say it clearly. I think, Robin, if you look at this idea of community building, like building a community using your six different rules you outlined yesterday and stuff like that, and, and, and trying to network and create these followings and all this stuff, like why are you fundamentally doing that? I think it is ultimately to get laid, Robin. Would you agree? Uh, <clears throat> speaking as a heterosexual man, yeah, absolutely. I think that would be, uh, that would be part of the equation, right? Um, I think we only have, I think, men have till about 55 really right and then you have to start um doing things you know start ingesting pills and things like that or so like anything like that and um so you what, only have so much time right what are you ingesting here like you know like blue chew or viagra or something like, like party drugs like mdma by the way um, Rob, can i ask how how old are you out of curiosity you don't have to answer if you don't want to you can keep it secret but I'm curious. You're quite hard to peg on, on listening alone. I think there is four different types of uh, ages. There's your mental, there's your chronological, there's your spiritual and metabolical. So which one are you, which one no, are you referring to? The rest are easy. I'm talking about chronological. Oh, I'm in my, uh, I'm in my early thirties. How old are you? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm younger than you. You're younger than me? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm 59. Okay. I thought, Coach, were you, I thought you were older. Nope. Actually, I'd like okay. to either. <laughs> You're not 59, Sefi. I mean, anyway, so what, what, what's your, I like when people ask, like, how old are you? So is that, like, what, what's your reasoning behind asking that? Some people are just very hard to age. Like, you hear their, it's not necessarily their voices, but just their, I don't know, just something about them seems either older or younger or kind of ambiguous. And you're one of those people you could be anywhere between like 20 and 40, I think. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to have like parents that are the age pretty well. Um, one's Middle Eastern and the other one is Hispanic from like Central America. And so I think at a certain age, it's just going to like my telomeres are just going to completely unravel but for right now but no going back to uh <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting a little bit worried about like uh like how you're going to age and when and how this is going to impact your like you know your future theoretical sex life and whatnot um i think the probably but, yeah. the right thing to do is probably uh get out more right now probably a good idea <laughs> like it's <laughs> the simplest simplest choice to make i think yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, I mean, you're trying to you're trying to get famous, right? You're trying to bring all of the bring everything together. So, Robin, I just sent you my true age, but keep the secret. Never tell anyone because I'm an on here. Okay, I will. I will. I will look at that. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, huh? So going back to what you were saying, Coach, though. <laughs> Um, what, what, it, so you're just trying to get laid on this place. I've, I've heard, how's that yep. going? I think yep. it's, I'm, if, if I had to guess, I'm, sh I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's going fantastic. Really good. I was, I was struggling a little bit just doing the writing because I think when people see you just write, they don't really get a sense of your whole personality and your whole, um, I don't know, spiritual power. 
they think i think a lot of girls used to read my tweets and they thought oh this guy's just funny but now it's like oh hang on a minute he has all these past lives and stuff like i can clearly perceive that this is an ancient man this is a guy who's been around before he's been on other planets he's reincarnated many many times and stuff you know there's there's a reason robin that you thought i was older than i am it's because of all these past lives as you say age has much more to do with your spiritual age than it does chronological age um, when people come into this world, they have very different wisdom levels to start with. And if you look at the average human life, there's almost no psychological development. Like my parents, if I look at my parents, they're almost the same now as they were, say, 20 years ago. There's been almost no change at all. They still have the same arguments again and again and again. Um, there's no real psychological evolution. Uh, people come into this world of a certain wisdom level, and they pretty much make about a 0.01% gain over their entire lives. This is, this is strong evidence for past lives, Robin, and I'm sure you're in agreement. I, I like surprises. Um, I don't know what I was doing before I was alive, and I probably don't know what I'm gonna be doing after I'm dead, but I do like surprises. Um, you know, what, I, what happens after I die, I'll be the first one to tell you I don't know, and anyone that does tell you what, they, what, what happens, I would, we would need to criticize and question them the most. Right, because that's a lot of power to have if you understand what what you're coming back as. Would you agree, uh, Bruce? Are you are you, are you <laughs> attempting to um, use meditation to project yourself into a specific future life? No, no, no. It's when you do enough meditation, you realize that that there is no um, independent, autonomous will that can do anything, and it's all just a dream in God's imagination, if you like. And everything just happens, even right now the words coming out of my own mouth are something that that is being listened to and accepted and embraced but there is no generating force um the the the, the experience of consciousness and life or is just otherwise pure. you can't think a thought before you think a thought yeah you can't, even even on a very mundane kind of level you can't predict your next thought and to take credit or pride or blame yourself for a thought at all would be ridiculous because thoughts just enter consciousness or enter awareness, just like um, a car driving past or any sensation or any perception within life. They're all the same. People take ownership of thoughts, but that's not true at all. Um, there's, there's no real ownership in reality. If you look carefully at what's happening, it's just showing up. Everything in life is just showing up. And, um, and our position is this, this, this pure receiving sensitivity, this awareness that accepts and embraces all perceptions and all perceptions and all um, sensations and all thoughts. Yeah, like for example, I don't know what I'm going to do a minute from now any more than uh, you do. Now, at the same time, uh, I'm sorry, you, I don't know any more what I'm going to do a minute from now than you know what I'm going to say a minute from now. Uh, in the se in the sense that, like, it's it's improbable that I'm going to like sprout wings and fly away like a bird. Right. So there's like these physical constraints. But from a mental perspective, like I don't know exactly what I'm going to say a minute from now or 10 minutes from now. And if I don't even know that, like, how would you know that? And for that matter, how would uh, how would anyone? So this, there's this like um, this is like concession that thoughts just emerge and um, like you, you notice them after the fact. And uh, sort of like the, the bridging words we use, like um and uh, so and all these like words people use to kind of like wait for their thoughts to kind of emerge or kind of um, it, like the way language works is kind of interesting in this context as well. Coach Bruce, oh, uh, 
I'm wondering, oh, you... have you ever worked? Oh, sorry. Someone talking. No, no, have you, you ever go. worked you <laughs> accessing the, the Akashic records or anything like that? I'm just having a poo. Can you give me two minutes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, this kind of segues nicely because uh, Sefi was explaining just there how we don't have free will. Uh, a coach didn't have free will. He didn't choose to uh, to go and shit, but he's it's a natural thing. The thought arose, um, the sensation arose, the chemical reaction occurred. Uh, he was going to shit himself, so he had to go and, and do a shit. Uh, he didn't have any choice in the matter. So um, I think it's a very pertinent point. Yeah, the will is kind of a, a very interesting sort of illusion. Yeah, that's a that 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 is probably the most interesting. Most important conversation, right? Like, what, what is, what is the free will and what is consciousness? That's like the whole singularity thing. But um, I don't know. It's Saturday. <laughs> Actually, Robin, you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned Sam Harris before, right? You read his book. I oh my gosh! All right, so Sam Harris. So it's it's, it's like the, that. Particularly, particularly the, um, particularly the concise one where he basically called free will as an illusion. Um, it, he, he puts it, he's a, his, by background, kind of like a neuroscience guy, but I don't know that he really did any serious science in his life, but, uh, he understands the, the concepts of it. He became more of like a podcaster kind of thing. Um, and, uh, writer and podcaster, but like he, um, does put together all the salient arguments. Uh, in that book pretty well. Yeah. I'm not sure if you read it. I've, I've listened to, I like, I have his app and, um, you know, like I said, I've been digesting that for like 500 minutes and his YouTube and his whole like Spotify, you know, it's, it's in my, it's in my algorithm. So, you know, I see what pops up and I listen to him for like 15, 20 minutes just to get a, get a beat of what, like what's happening. And, um, and he makes some pretty good arguments and, you know, he's been doing it for a long time. And I think it is it is controversial because people don't want to think that they don't have control of what they're doing and how they're doing it. But I, I do like these little experiments too. Like if you if you do um, if you go to someone, friend or not friend or stranger, and you have a cup, it, it doesn't no matter what's in it, or what's not in it. It just has to be a cup. And you go up to that person, and you put the cup in front of them they immediately hold it. They immediately grab it. Like it happens every single time. Like some of them are like, look at you and they're like, you know, like if you go to like a bar or a lounge, I do this, <laughs> you know, talk to the, talk, you know, someone I want to talk to. Right. And they look at me and they're like, what? And then they grab it. I mean, yeah, every once in a while, there's going to be someone that's it's interesting. So what you're saying, so what you're saying is if you meet a women, women that you seem to like at the bar, um, you just walk up to her with a um, a glass or cup of something, and she's gonna pick it up just instinctually, right? Yeah, and, so, and you see their face. And you just strike up, you strike up a conversation <laughs> yeah. about this, uh, exactly. this uh, mug or whatever. Yeah, and <laughs> and it's a funny, and it's a, and this is a funny experiment too. Like um, when you're, bo- we're gonna get, we're gonna get Robin laid too, by the way. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> when at, this, I wouldn't recommend doing this, but I, I I've been, <laughs> I've been. Uh, I've been texting some of my exes at one o'clock <laughs> and I say, Hey, I'm here. And then I, then I text, oops, never mind, Wrong number. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's that all about? Like, I'm curious what the, like, what uh, is the driving force there? That's a toxic fucking trait, bro. You've been on Hoodville, haven't you? Right. <laughs> I know you've been following Hoodville on Instagram. Yeah, you stay toxic, bro. <laughs> that's not my proudest moment because some of the some of them the texts I get back are not so nice, and some of them are, you know, they're like, "What are you doing?" And uh, yeah, now, now we know why you need like uh, ice bath shock therapy and shit, right? Yeah, you know, like <laughs> when I, out of out of out of college, I wasn't the uh, the the most uh, golden rule type of person but um anyway uh that's pretty that's pretty normal i think for some people but what does that mean what is that i'm not a golden rule type of person can you please clarify exactly what that means uh golden rules like do unto others as you would want to do to unto you what are you saying you're like a slutty cheater or something uh, no I, i'm not saying that um what i'm saying is the the experiment of texting someone at 1 p.m someone that you've had relations with right someone that you care about maybe it ended well maybe it didn't end well and you're wanting to know if there's anything more after that or maybe not even right you just want to know what happens oh you're just like you're just teasing to sort of see if she'll respond back at this time and I it's almost like, I think it sounds like you did it. I think it sounds like he's seeking validation from this this ex, right? Like that, that that's how it comes across from me. Like, you know, like do you still care about me, but but for being a, in a toxic way as well? Uh, but let's yeah. but let's say she did, Robin. Uh, is this someone that you're doing this to because you actually genuinely want her to uh, text you back and you want to like set up something or what? Um so so I'll give you the recent recent one. Um the most recent one to memory. Uh, I had uh, I had a girlfriend for about two years. She lived with me, and it you know wonderful, wonderful lady, skinny, Native American, also a little bit white, right? Into art, kind of spiritual. Uh, she was into yoga, and absolutely loved her. We just weren't on the same page as things ended. I recently saw her at. Um, this NA bar, which is non-alcoholic bar and uh, NA bar. And I'm there on my computer, some of my friends, I got this guy who, a friend of mine who does blockchain development and this other buddy who does like NFT AI creation. And I'm just like hanging out with them. And um, she walks in and I haven't talked to her in like, gosh, 2018. I, I thought she left I thought she left town. I like never really talked to her and I never really thought about texting her because I didn't want to I didn't want to like engage. I didn't I just wanted to completely just stay away from that. But then I saw her this week and uh she was some guy who just went to go to Burning Man and um I knew him prior. Like I knew him prior at the same place. We would frequent the same place. Um he does energy he's a basically he's a lobbyist for APS which is Arizona Public Services which is an energy company wait he, what what is this guy's like job have any relevance to like this girl well he's point? he's kind of like a high value man right i'm like shit oh so you're you're not at this guy's level is that you're saying i i didn't feel like it because this guy's like was not nominated by obama for to be like here in Arizona in the energy sector. And um, 
<laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, yeah, the valid going into like it was a little bit of a validation play that time because I texted her recently and I did that whole that you know that that strategy and she she ended up texting me back and I was like, wow, I wonder I wonder what's going on with that. No, but Wait, so this like this sort of like all seems like a validation thing. Like you said whatever you haven't seen her since 2018 and then you're saying you saw her out with another man that you perceived as more successful than yourself no no he he was more he is more successful (laughs) okay so he is more successful than you so you decided to text her because of that you haven't seen her since 2018 and i heard her voice i heard her voice i saw her she became real to me again Right. But prior to this, like not an inclination in your mind, it wasn't until you saw her with another man. Like, so what do you think it's more like it was a like mixture less so to do with her and maybe more to do with like it, some, it was like a, a mixture. personal insecurity thing? It was a mixture of like seeing her for the first time in years. And then on top of that, like how 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 much how much has she been hanging out with this well you basically you can't can't separate the two right because when when you met her at this second this this most recent time or saw her it was not really at a time or place of yours or her choosing it was just like you randomly saw her and it happened to be with this guy right and and like he introduced me to her it was introduced to a friend by a friend introduced by how does that saying go? I would, you know, it'd be or strange to see yeah. you again. To, but this to moment was or, not yeah. like, okay, I, I'm only texting because um, this, my only texting because of him, or is it like you thought of her more because she's with somebody else? Yes and yes. Or some combination of the two. Yeah. Well, you, it's, that's the thing. Like the will is kind of funny the way you can't really separate the two, right? So it's easy for someone else to judge like, oh, you're only doing this now because of validation or you're only doing this now because of whatever. But like at the end of the day, it's like, um, what are you going to do about it? Right. Like, like in your mind, like, is this something where it's like, hmm, uh, I, I really need to rekindle something with this girl or something. Right. You'd have to think this through and then just make a decision. Yeah. And like, I mean, she she texted me and I haven't texted her back because I'm just. I just don't want to like, I, I do not want to go down that path. And I, I am not a toxic person. <laughs> Robin, Robin, can I, can I, so you, you text her cause you've had all these like feelings come back to you. Right. And you've just turned around and done a full 180. Like, Oh, you're interested. Well, I'm not fucking interested now. And just stop messaging. Like, come on, dude. Like, I know yeah, you just said you're not a toxic person, but that's like a, to be honest, that's, that's sort of a strange that's thing to do. I think, yeah, that, I, like, I think I'm pretty a, fucking a good, pissed off if somebody did that to me. Yeah, well, yeah I would be. You would have to ask. I think a, a good question to ask is, "Hey, you know, Robin, what did she text you?" Because maybe she didn't. Maybe she sent me a text that didn't need a reply. But then you would have said that. You wouldn't have just said, "Oh, I haven't responded." You'd have gone, "Well, yeah, you're, you're, Robin, you're turning this into like twenty questions, mm. right?" Like, um. I, do have a scenario. I have a scenario. What if she walked in and she had a baby and she was married to this dude? Would you have done the exact same thing? Would you Would you have tried to homewreck or would you have just left it? Oh, I think you know what I would say. I don't. I'm I'm confused because you've just changed your whole scenario and said you're not toxic, but you've just given some toxic examples, bro. So I'm, I'm quite confused. Uh, let me let me clarify. I'm not toxic to the bone. 
A, a little bit toxic. Okay. That's well, is weird. anybody like toxic to the bone necessarily though? Like, Addie, I mean, what kind of toxic shit you have you done to people? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely like, I have never claimed that I'm like the perfect girlfriend or anything, but I don't think Addie's done anything. I Addie seems I'm... like a pretty perfect individual. Okay. That's definitely not true, but like, thank <laughs> Um, Look at I that mean, I, I think I'd... Like, come on. Addy, I thought you were building your simp army. You need to encourage this. Um, t- okay. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I've gone out with, I guess, in recently. Like, there's definitely been people that maybe I've gone out with maybe, like, um, past the expiration. Like, I knew that I did not see a future with them, but then I maybe went out with them a couple more times and. I should have, or I should have, like, ended it sooner. Like, I guess that's maybe toxic. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm sure I've done some stuff, but I, yeah. I've never been in a situation like that, though. Like, I think if I saw, like, I'm thinking if I saw an ex from, I mean, I was in high school in 2018, so let's not say that, but, like, 2019, like, I would not, I would probably, like, laugh if I saw them out in in public now with someone else like I wouldn't if I I would like it would be almost nothing like if I saw them I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't text them or anything what what about if you like lived but lived with them for a while yeah same thing like I don't have any I think there's I have one ex where if I like if I saw her like that it would probably affect me but I don't have any other exes and that was like a pretty recent one so like I don't have any other exes where if I saw them in public, it would like, I wouldn't, I don't think I would be phased at all. But that's just because like, I feel like I've, you know, completely like moved on. I think maybe if I saw them with somebody like some girl that was just like, you know, like some like Emrata or something, maybe I'd be a little surprised, <laughs> but I don't yeah. think I would text them there, or anything. The, and let me clarify now that I'm, you know, thinking of this a little bit more. So the other reason that I texted her is because when she walked in, uh, like, and she started talking in the group, her voice went up, like it became more, sh- more high pitch where like, if a guy's attracted in- to a girl, like their voice becomes a little bit more low to try to be more masculine, right? Whereas a girl, they're going to have a little bit more higher pitch. And then she also, um, while she was talking um, to the group, she had her belly button towards me which is a sign of like trust in a way. So I was like, interesting. What? Yeah. What the fuck yeah. are you talking about, bro? Like, right. is that, no, no, that's, that's true, well done. It's, it's been established. Everyone, what? Up. If you look, read the book, 48 Laws of Power, it's, it's um, law 22. The submissive posture of the woman towards you is, is the belly button, the navel, the hara point in traditional Japanese samurai culture pointing towards you. Um, indicates submission. It's much in the way that lions kind of roll over and show their neck around females and competing with their submissive. You know, it's being open to being being attacked. It's it's the submission. I, Bruce, I must say, uh, before you move on, like, um, have, I really uh, was not expecting this, like, turn here. Like, I have a hard time sometimes figuring out what the fuck's going to come out of your mouth, honestly. Like, what's this samurai thing? Like, describe that for just a moment. 
Well, you know when um, samurais do seppuku, they stab themselves in the hara point. It's the, the vital point of life oh. energy. Yeah, but well, why do you know the name of that? Yeah, I know the samurai thing. I've seen the movies, but why do you know the exact name of the point? That's, that's what strikes me as weird. I've read a lot of like samurai books and literature and stuff. Why? Very interesting. Oh. I'm just curious. Like, I, I, Wait, I'm so hard are you guys like your... The gay vampire like auditions, right? <laughs> I just can't figure out like what you haven't read in all seriousness. It's weird. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Are you guys like so? Are are you like, um, be for real? Are are you guys walking around and when you interact with women, you're seeing which direction their belly button is pointing in? Like, be serious. Are you you're you're at a bar and a, you're with a group of people and you're looking to see which way the woman is facing to see if her belly button is like aligned with you? Are you being for real? I think that's every guy. I think that it, it, oh, like shit. no fucking way. <laughs> You are like that, Chuck. You just don't realize. Well, it. Well, guess what? Uh, now that you've said this, every guy in this room is going to be like that now. Because now you can't unthink that shit, right? No, like, bullshit. now that you said it. Bullshit. Like, I'm going to think about whatever fucking samurai thing every time, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, I was about to say, you've got a wife, Seth. Can you just go test it quickly and talk to her and see if her belly no, button faces no wonder she, But No wonder it's pointing the other direction. You guys like, don't get it at all. It's she's like, like uh, every guy on some level is afraid of rejection, right? Every human is afraid of rejection. Nobody wants to be rejected. It's the worst thing in the world. It's kind of like a, a an ancestral, uh, a caveman remembrance of when we're in small tribes. And if you fucked up with a certain girl, or if you offended a certain girl, or or, or you know made her frightened or something, then then you'd fuck up for life. You wouldn't ever be able to breed. And maybe the males in the the group with you in that particular tribe would chuck you out for being a fucking freak. Right. It's the same thing. We have this like innate fear of rejection that is so fucking overwhelming. And then um, all of us, like unconsciously calibrated or not, we look out at the world and we look for signs. So we look if a girl is looking at us. We look of how she's modulating her voice. We look if she if she's maybe inviting us to conversation, you know, how is your day going? How are your ethics going? If she's doing things like that to us. Or um, probably the main thing we look at is the direction of the belly button, the direction of the harrow point, because that is like the, the posture of submission and the posture of openness. Girls won't approach you, but they will say, I am open. And, and the way they communicate their openness is pointing at you and, and using their, their belly button direction. Not, not consciously, of course. It's just one of these inbuilt things from, from nature, from ancient history, which is passed down chug and, you then, do this. and then what you're saying is subconsciously in the mind that the guys are sort of like noticing this like uh whether they whether they think it or not like that that frontal contact and that like eye contact simultaneously yep. is kind of like women women invite message. women invite you approach? i'm actually currently talking to a girl at the minute that i'm interested in and i will look for her belly button and i will see obviously not like stare at her belly button be fucking weird but you know i will try and like pay attention to what you're saying and uh, you know what? If you're right, dude, I'll drop you a message going, I submit, I'm sorry. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I will. But like, There are lots I, of things that just happen, but either you, just because you're, you unconsciously function using them doesn't mean they don't exist, right? A lot yeah, of no, I agree. I agree. That we don't realize, but we could easily have them pointed out and realize, you know, if a girl is pointing her belly button at you, she wants to fuck you. That's the simple rule. I mean, I feel like, like it, I just... It seems 
I don't know. I'm just a little confused because I'm like, I feel like there's much simpler and much more obvious ways that girls indicate that they want to fuck you. Like I do it every time. I not every time, but like they, you know, you can just get, look at somebody in a certain way. You can like, like, I, I don't know. It just seems a little like strange, but now when I go out tonight and go out to the bar, I'm going to be looking to see if men are like staring at my belly button. And then I'll think like, Oh, is my belly button turned towards them? So Maybe you're right, and I just haven't noticed it. But well, in, here in Arizona, here in Arizona, I don't know. You're in New York or something. You're in the East Coast, right? Like, do do yeah, a lot of I'm do a lot York. of do a lot of ladies? Do they wear like crop tops, like where they're actually showing their belly button? Because like that's um, everywhere. I mean, I like girls literally see the actual physical belly button. It's just, it's just general direction it's facing. It has nothing to do with looking at it. It has to do with yeah. like the body it's like a body language thing no i i wouldn't say people generally like not to the so point of I, being I able to see a belly button I, but not still. to interrupt but i think people might be getting held up on on belly button per se it's not necessarily the, the belly button and, and yes where it comes from it, it's the the body it's the directional you know yes. Uh, yes thank you the direction of the body if a female is turned into you, she is into you. You know, if her belly button is pointing away, her body is away from you, she's not into you. So I think people are getting a little too held up on the, the belly button. I agree with you. Yeah. I guess it's like, it just I, seems I, like, yeah, maybe I was caught off guard by the belly button. Just because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to this too obvious. and say, and say I like that coach that was bringing in the, um, you know, historic, um, you know, the kind of inherent humanness of, of this, because men are different, actually, when they when they speak, they like to be side by side, looking out as they speak, as opposed to women, they they face each other directly. And the reason for that is because historically, men, men were the protectors, and they were, they were looking out, you know, examining the perimeter for, you know, predators, etc. So, they would they would talk and they would look right women were back at camp they were like picking through berries and and preparing food talking to each other face to face so that's exactly that's exactly right actually so you know, can we like so robin what are you talking about wait wait hold on i'm sorry what I, what i get what you're saying but have you ever worked <laughs> in a field before have you ever picked fucking berries and fruits When's the last time you picked fucking berries and fruits in a damn line and you stared face to face? I worked at pineapple fields and worked shoulder to shoulder in a line where I didn't talk and look at them at a fucking single moment. We just walked the fucking line shoulder to shoulder. What yeah, are you talking about? Fired. You would have been fired if you did. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be <laughs> slacking. Just because you could put a full 180. Because I swear I saw you agreeing with his points for the moats. And now all of a sudden you're fucking going against it. Like, I don't know what's so confusing here. Obviously, if somebody's working in a pineapple farm and they're afraid of being fired if they don't follow the job rules, then they can modulate their behavior. That doesn't mean that somebody doesn't have this innate um, bodily mechanism or drive to look around and maybe look at the surrounding forest, as the cryptographer says. Um, or to to face the belly button towards the male she likes, as Addie says. Um, the, the the idea of the belly button isn't too important. It's more the it's more the direction 
Um, the reason we're saying that DPG is because it's a very simple model for the autistic mind to understand. A lot of people here are autistic. They don't really have innate social comprehension. And maybe this, this area, this lobe of the brain that teaches them how to do this or, or innately instructs them how to do it just by impulse is missing, I think, in a lot of people here. And that's why they're here in this space today. That's why they have so much free time on a Saturday night. Like, why else would people be here unless they were socially incapable and retards um, on some level? They're, they're, that's the reason they're here. So we give these simple rules to say, you know, if, if you look simply in geometric spatial um, around you and you see a woman with a vagina who is orienting at you and you look at this reference frame um, to her belly button, a simple rule, a simple golden rule to look at, to pay attention to, that is effectively an invitation and you can go forth and impregnate her. You know, this, this, this kind of simple rule stops a lot of horrible chaos. It stops men being kind of, you know, sexually intrusive. It stops men being creeps. It's a useful rule to help the world keep revolving. Yeah, exactly. So, Coach, um, if I'm like, if I'm out and I'm like with, you know, whatever, like a guy that I'm seeing and I see another girl, like I'm like looking at her belly button and it's pointing towards him. Do I need to like cause this, like cause a scene? Like how, like... Do I need to feel threatened if she's like pointing her yeah. belly button at him? Yeah, I think you, that's possible. You can try and rotate. Talk. Okay, so like I'll keep that in mind. You can try and you. like if you notice a, a girl is facing her belly button at a guy she likes, mm -hmm. you can try to rotate him away from her radially, or you can rotate her towards you, or maybe like to to let off like a firework in the opposite direction, and then she will rotate her body back towards that firework to see what's going on, because obviously it sounds like a gunshot or something. <laughs> and then, then the guy will feel like, oh, she's not inviting me anymore. And he'll tend to look at a girl who has like a, a closer angle of projection towards him. Okay, I'm going to start like carrying shit that I can just throw to cause a commotion in case I see anyone like turning their belly button towards yeah. Yeah, a little bit like uh, I, like yeah. So making okay. distractions and things, you know, little little tricks. Yeah. Um, when I was much much younger, so, so this is all very relevant and and, and explanatory for me because when I was much younger, I used to go on dates um, before I was married, and I would go and I'd maybe you know crack a few jokes, and not very good jokes either, and I'd notice that kind of like two north poles of a magnet. Uh, the woman would start to repel away and just sort of turn away. Uh, and I would sort of go, what, what's going on here? And she'd say, I'm not sure. Uh, so I'd walk around to try and see what's going on, see, see the front of her. But she'd turn again and just keep spinning. Uh, and I couldn't actually manage to get in front of her, directly in front of her, because some kind of magnetic force was spinning her around. And she, she would literally say, I don't know what's happening here. Some sort of biological, uh, paleolithic part of my brain is 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 activating here and i and it'd be the end of the day and you know i couldn't actually actually see see her from that point for uh, onwards so it's, it's quite good um to understand this now so this is why these spaces are great Graham, do you think if you kept running around in a circle she'd have rotated even faster and faster and faster and just slowly start to take off just out of curiosity, if, if it was just like you know yeah, like a right well i did think about this i was a mechanical engineer so i thought that maybe we could have some kind of perpetual motion machine, uh, maybe kind of, you know, you know, have you ever seen like, if you have a buttered piece of toast, it always lands butter side down. If you drop a cat, it always drop lands on its feet. So if you were to take a shaft and put a cat on one side and a buttered piece of toast on the other, 
it would spin forever because they're both trying to oppose each other and it would spin a spin a shaft and then a drive shaft and you get infinite energy in the same way perhaps if i tell a terrible joke that really makes a woman disgusted to the point where she can't even like she starts to turn away um you know and i sort of run around i'd have to eat a lot of food it's not really perpetual motion anymore maybe i need to have two women who are disgusted at me and put both of them one on one side of the shaft and the other on the other side of the shaft and it will spin yeah Grover, you just reminded me, I wrote a load of rotation tweets uh, in the past. One of them was at the top um, about one of my ex-boyfriends. I've just uh, shared it at the top of the space. But yeah, like, like this, this, this concept of, of rotational projection of angles and, and rotation to indicate interest and rotation to indicate disinterest and, and to, to pay attention to the current rotation um, over the course of a date or a long-term relationship. Um, I think is is just fascinating, and I think it's it's this inbuilt mechanism within us that if we pay attention to, could save a lot of heartbreak. It could save a lot of harm and hurt, um, and really help the world um, be more at peace. I think. I think this is a very important uh, aspect of life to educate people about. Well, you know, it's like um, like when you're in the car with your boyfriend, and he you are upset with him you're I don't know in an argument about something and then he's driving and you're sitting in the passenger seat it's like you'll intentionally like um move your legs and point them like towards the window and it's so he knows that you're upset you know maybe it's a little bit like that but then if you're like not upset your legs naturally yeah. are sort of pointed towards him or your knees are at least yep and I think another point here is is if a if you're in a relationship with a girl girlfriend or a wife or something she will use her rotation to indicate what's wrong girls are never girls like biologically evolutionarily they're wired to never be directly confrontive right they're 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 innately timid and meek and afraid of any kind of aggression because obviously if a girl shouts at me or something i won't tolerate that i will slap her down you know i will i will throw her out of the window if i have to i live on like the 22nd floor so if a girl disrespects me you know she knows where she's going out of the window maybe if she's lucky i'll i'll give her like a little um cloth or something to use as a kind of a makeshift de facto parachute so she can go down and maybe only break a few of her legs but otherwise i'm just going to fucking lob her out of the window so girls when they're mad they they tend to use these these passive aggressive mechanisms like you know, maybe not replying to your message for five minutes instead of just instantly as before. But they also use rotation. If you live in a house with a girl, she will use rotation against you. So she will face away from you. If you're talking to her, she will face at 45 degrees away from you, uh, away of the angle of projection towards you, away from that straight line. And in some points, like if you're watching TV or something and, and you're, you're trying to talk to her, she will even face up to 90 degrees away from you to, to look at the TV rather than you. Um, so, so pay attention to this stuff. And you also know your relationship is slipping if the rotation starts um, progressing. If she maybe starts within a five degree range in the honeymoon phase of the relationship. And then over time, there's this, this sense of, you know, she's rotating away from me. Or maybe she's oscillating to really high rotations and then back again and then oscillating away again. This is a sign that you're fucking up. You're, you need to look. It's a reflection of your integrity as a man. You look back at your own spirit at your own mission, at the way you are living in the world, because females are ultimately just this, this passive reflection of the quality of character of a man. If the female is, is starting to rotate away from you or maybe oscillating back and forth, then think about your own life. Think, you know, am I really living up to my potential? Am I starting businesses? Am I doing enough physical exercise? 
do I have my shit together? Or does she on some level feel like, you know, she needs to help me with all that stuff? Um, can she trust you to lead her? If she can't trust you to lead her, then she'll obviously rotate away. And I think if, if men pay attention to this rotation, there's an ongoing reflection of their own integrity and character, they could really learn a lot and, and maybe take the feedback to improve their lives and reach up to their potential. Mm. If, um, if anyone's in any doubt about this being true, uh, you can perform an experiment. It's a really good experiment. So first thing you need is a Ferrari uh, and you need a set of keys for that Ferrari. Now, if you go to a theater, cinema, a stadium, not a football match, maybe like a concert or something, um, and you jangle those Ferrari keys, every single woman is tuned in. She can hear the keys of the Ferrari and they will all immediately spin uh, in place to face you. Every single woman in that theater, that cinema, that stadium, will immediately snap uh, and, and spin to face towards you. It's pretty funny, um, pretty confusing uh, for everybody involved as well, but uh, it's, it's a really obvious and very, very powerful way to demonstrate that this is, this is entirely true. Yeah, thank you, Grover. Um, does anyone have any thoughts about rotation and the ways that, that maybe men can learn from rotation? Uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, you, you've uh, elucidated the idea of the female belly button um, to the nth degree. And um, you've opened, like, I, I, I had some ideas, but you've, uh, I think you've added extensions and then and, and bridges and things to that. So um, I, I guess I do have, I, I mean, I do have a question. <clears throat> what if you're born without a belly button? What do we do? Well, uh, you yourself personally are talking about females because there are three variants, right? In fact, there are four variants. There are any belly buttons, there are outy belly buttons, there are multiple belly buttons, and there are no belly buttons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the road to you, so, them, like so, what are you talking about? So, when you, you know, the, the thing that you said is about the rotation of like when you know it's kind of coming to an end, because the reason I ended things with this this uh, lady is because it just got to a point where we were living in the same place but we weren't really living together right so and i'm thinking back and there was definitely times where she'd be she'd be doing that and that was part of the reason right that she wouldn't um right and i and, and i was i was fucking up i really was i was not paying enough attention to her i was too busy with work um you know i was you know, number one on my team and just really focused on that. And I was just really looking forward to going to work and eventually just stopped. You know, we kind of just drifted apart. So how would you recommend it? Let's say in order to avoid the same mistake twice, mm. how would you avoid the same mistake twice? If you, if you like one of the, I'll give you a guys a, a simple rule and maybe you can apply this in your relationships and future Robin if you if you imagine you're in a situation in spatial um, in a spatial proximity with a woman, right? So you're in a room with a woman. Imagine there is a line directly connecting to you. Maybe you are holding a string and she is holding a string, and that string is super taut, right? It's it's very um, rigid and taut. It's just a, a perfect straight line between you. If the female rotates away from you, maybe 15 degrees, the thing to do isn't to continue to stare straight at her to stare with like a zero degree angle of orientation right at her, the thing to do is increase the angle away from her yourself. So if she rotates away at 15 degrees, 
right? The thing to do isn't to stare at her, it's to rotate at double that. So she rotates away at 15 degrees. Your approach here, the best approach, is to rotate away at 30 degrees, right? So, so from that line, the divergence from that, that, that line that goes straight towards her, you rotate away from 30 degrees. And that teaches her that, you know, if you disrespect me by rotating away from me, if you do that kind of thing, then I will disengage even more and I will punish you. I am willing to walk away from you more than you're willing to walk away from me. So don't you ever fucking rotate away from me again, you bitch. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will deploy that. And either one or two things are going to happen. She's going to, you know, either she's going to understand that, you know, I mean business, right? And I'm serious. And like, I'm on a mission. And this is a long time horizon. And are you on, are you on the ride or not? Right? Like, I don't have time for this. Or, or she'll look at you. She'll understand that, you know, she does not want to, what's the word? Like, I don't know. Like maybe she just doesn't want to give up her, give up her nine months of her life. Right. She doesn't want to give up that. Or maybe she decides that, you know, it's just not going to work out either. Wait, what do you mean nine months? Are you talking about being pregnant? What, what is nine months? Where did that come from? Yeah. Part of it is like, does, you know, some women do have the, like what they want to do is they want to give life, right? They have the power of giving life or creating life really in, in, in concert with someone else. So instinctively, some women do decide, like, does this person have the genes? Does this person have the intelligence, the IQ, the EQ, the PQ for something that could create, you know, another generation, right? I mean, I don't, most women don't think of that all in all within like three seconds, four seconds, but something instinctually they do understand that that's a part of the equation. Are you speaking um, abstractly or are you still talking about this woman? Like Abstractly. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Also, what's that got to do with your question to uh, Coachy Boy here like about rotational energy? Because you just went off on a bit of a tangent about nine months and I'm just, I just want to know what, what point you're trying to make. That, that, that's all in relation to that question. Yeah, I was, I, I didn't have too much of a question. I was just, I was listening to what he was saying about rotational and, and um, 15 to 30 degrees and things like that. And it's mm. just like a cat and mouse thing. And I think like in your, so for example, like if you go to festivals or you go to a bar or you're at a concert or maybe you're at an event or maybe a conference, you know, these, um, you know, these, these protocols, you know, you can deploy them and then you can test and experiment and have fun with them. So, you know, that's what I've been doing. And I think, I think listening and reading and having mentors and, 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 uh, you know, people that are ahead of you or even behind you. Like, I think these are all good advice. Like, and, and also it takes, if you have to be a good person too, I think you can fall into this toxic behavior. You can use these and deploy them negatively and like with, without any real moral compass. So, you know, those, these tools that you're using, you know, 
sometimes I know for me, like if I'm going to use these tools, sometimes I wonder, like, am I going to use these for good? Am I going to use them for bad? And then on by default, I'm going to use these for good because I want to go to bed with, you know, a conscious, right? I don't want to have that sickening, right? Some, some people aren't like that. So, but I think if you listen to and read about, you know, this female, female science, I guess, I don't know. Um, you know, I hope, I hope everyone, <laughs> I hope everyone uses it for good. And I think that, I think listening to coach, I think he uses it for good. I would hope so. And so does Safi and everyone else. Yep. I, I think so. I think there's a, a spiritual um, philosophy of rotation here. I don't think anyone should imagine it's some kind of manipulation or something. You know, if a, if a girl rotates away from you, why would you stay with that girl anyway? You know, you need a girl who is rotated towards you at all times. I don't know. It's it's like men around the world are really compromising themselves. They're willing to accept things, maybe because they've come from from bad family situations, or maybe their their self worth is too low that they just tolerate and accept these things as normal. But I'm here to tell you that as a man, you don't need to tolerate a woman who will rotate away from you. There are women out there who will maintain their angle of orientation towards you at all times. And um, if you're currently with a girl who tends to oscillate, who tends to rotate away from you, um, just just move on, move on. Maybe set one warning. The one warning is to rotate more than her away from her. And then if she doesn't rotate back, just get rid of her because there is a girl out there who will fall in love with you for who you are. You know, as a man, when you share your heart, share your mind, share everything that you are, give your gift to the world fully. When you share all of that, there will be a woman who loves you for who you are. And there will be a woman who is not willing inside her heart to rotate away from you because she knows that losing you could be the worst thing she ever does. Dang. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm going, I feel like I should go meditate now. <laughs> um, I'm going to jump off here. It was good talking to you, all of you. I'm sure I'll talk to you again soon. Um, it's about five o'clock where I'm at. So I'm going to go out. And I'm going to go uh, see what the rotation's like. Yeah, go find some belly buttons that point towards <laughs> you. I wish you luck. <laughs> right, thank you. Good talking to you, Addy. Bye-bye. God loves you, man. Hey, beautiful people. Can I say something? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. We're, um, we're here to uh, help. Well, quick question. Uh, the projects on NFT, they always say that there is something about scarcity. And I'm seeing everybody's leaving Luna and going to some other blockchain. Uh, my idea is that, is that a chance of everything working in another marketplace in on Luna and something like less options get, get everything back and working? I don't know if it makes sense what I'm saying. Addy, can you answer this one? <laughs> um. No, I don't. I saw on, on the people that's going to one planet, they are burning the tokens that they have on, on Luna. They don't exist anymore. So then to be more scarce in some sense. Are you talking about NFT projects moving away from Luna Classic to a different blockchain? Or are you talking about people burning Luna Classic? No, the NFTs, because all the profits that I'm doing with Astro Port right now, I'm just uh, 
wiping the floors of all NFTs, hoping that sometime they're going to be like renegade and have some value. So are you saying you're buying all the, uh, all the Luna Classic NFTs? Is that what you're trying to tell us? As many as I can. Okay, and you're wondering if projects are going to come back to the blockchain? I'm not wondering. I'm on Luna for love. No matter what happens, they're going to stay. So whatever so what happens, we, okay. So what were you actually asking? Because I, th- I thought you had a question in there. That's all. I'm just curious. Yeah, if these NFTs could, in your ideas, have some value in the future. Well, yeah, the Luna Classic chain comes back. Well, no, no, this, this is a common misconception. Uh, NFTs uh, will eventually all trend to zero as they're all useless and uh, completely pointless projects um, focused around profile pictures. There's no actual use for profile pictures. Uh, they're kind of like uh, fashionable trends like Furbies or Beanie Babies, and anyone who spends meaningful money on them is doomed to uh, misery. That's, um, that's the, the honest truth. Uh, they have value for me. Yeah, right. But you need someone else to value them, to, to buy them. Because every time I listen, you guys speak, it's so many smart people. And I appreciate what you guys saying, the, what you guys are developing. And just to make part and enjoy, even if it's just a silly picture on a blockchain, for me, makes sense. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part two of the three-part CeFi space, Lunk, Luna, and other banter. Recorded on Saturday, September 10th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sipping on a little bit of sin I've been giving Try to keep it written down So it feels like I've been living I've been realizing a minute Reality ain't got limits Going out my fucking mind Testing out the physics Stretching out the distance For instance Let me be specific The risk is hedge funding the business Betting on the difference Ingesting all the research Sleeping through the rebirth Sliding out feet first Sleep tight little dreamer Early to bed Early to rise With a rugged ass demeanor Taking beats to the cleaners You know I love my t-shirts And the people who support my little dream here Transparent cows, I gotta steer clear 2020 going down is one fucking weird year Take a second, look around, the psyops is winning Set the table, we just biopsy dinner Now, I'm gonna react to that and act like I'm telling you a personal anecdote Something to break the tension Something to endear myself a little bit Something kind of uh, embarrassing <laughs> And you guys are gonna make an awe sound it's true. It really happened. They got a tracker in the phone, tracking everywhere we go. When it's final, if I don't know, I already sold my soul. Getting ready, rock and roll, tip the first domino. Feeling abominable with these avalanche flows. Stop and rest on the road, gotta get where I'm going. And the rest of y'all know that we hit the ground sore. And I'll be coming for the fuckers that be summoning the trouble. Running on the double while I'm handing out the W's. Putting wins on the board every fucking day. They love me on the team because I know my fucking place. Better get in where you fit in, I'm delivering the meaning I inherited the demons, always sneaky, never seen them If I'm breathing, I'm reading, I'm not even being conceited I need to see for myself if you think that I'm believing It's the season of reason, y'all be ceasing the research I'm receiving the meaning, that shit's called teamwork It's not so much as so little as to do with what everything is But it is within our self-interest to understand the topography of our lives unto ourselves The future states that there is no time other than the collapsation of that sensation.
reflection of the mirror of the memories in which we are living. Common knowledge, but important nonetheless. Terror spaces.